Hello. Welcome to this very special episode of Terminus. I am the black metal guy. The death metal guy couldn't make it today because he is sitting alone in the ruins of Notre Dame listening to Gigi Allen's Bite It You Scum on repeat. But in all seriousness, he is not here today because this is an experimental episode of Terminus where I try a solo review on my own and uh, we uh, and then we do an interview. And, uh, you know, uh, if this experiment uh, is uh, goes well, if it's not the Terminus Cold Lake, then uh, we'll probably be doing more of these. And the death metal guy will, I'm sure, have plenty of records he wants to talk about and plenty of people he wants to interview. So, uh, how did this come about? Well, um, we first got in touch with Damien Master of Colloquial Sound Recordings, who is the one man behind A Pregnant Light, back in late October, uh, when we reviewed a record he put out on his label, uh, which is Swaraj, or Self-Rule, by Dressed in Streams. That was on, uh, yeah, Terminus 24. And that was kind of Slavic black metal filtered through a Indian, as in subcontinental, aesthetic. Uh, and that actually made it on my year-end list. Um, and I'd been vaguely familiar with A Pregnant Light before, which I'll talk about at some point. Uh, and, you know, it was a little out of our orbit, right? I think I, I sort of saw it as uh, post-black by somebody who actually listens to black metal, which uh, is more than you can say for most bands in corpse paint these days. Really, We really liked the Dressed in Streams record, uh, and, you know... Uh, Damien loved our reviews, and he, he got in touch, and uh, I've sort of had a correspondence with him off and on since then, and I think I think I could say without presuming too much that he's a friend, uh, of which I'm proud, and uh, I thought after a while, well, goddamn, I should listen to A Pregnant Light more than I the little bit I have, right? So uh, finally, I just got, um, you know... Uh, the most recent one, or the one of the more recent full lengths that is uh, one of the more aggressive uh, outings of the band, which is Broken Play. And I thought, you know, first it was just like, well, I'm going to really, you know, give, give this a listen. Uh, and then I found myself listening to it obsessively for months. And I mean, since probably January or February. Um... And at that point, it's like, you know, you get ideas about something and you want to you wanna spit them out there in a way that's a little different from like a bonus episode on history stuff. Um, so we timed this to coincide with the two-year anniversary of Broken Play, which is July 1st. So how what is A Pregnant Light in a more detailed way? So... Everything about this atmospherically, you would say, kind is kind of screamo, right? Uh, screamo, obviously, in the sense of real screamo, uh, right? Um, as, you know, as in screamo with a bass and hardcore, maybe an even stronger bass and hardcore than most screamo. Uh, there are sort of rhythmic. There are there are breakdowns. There are propulsive thrash beats, which we'll get to more. Uh, there is uh, a sense of tempo and aggression 
that's different from the kind of speed and aggression you get in something like, I don't know, fucking page 99 or whatever, right? It's sort of driving muscular music. Um, but it is also operating at full emo. And it's not really, it's not some like fusion gimmick, right? This is very different from, uh, you know, I mean, Lord knows we've shat on Deaf Heaven enough on this show, but very different from something like that, right? And in part that's because the black metal element here, which is, I guess, the first thing I should have said before, not a fusion, uh, the black metal element here is uh, being used in specific ways. It's not just like, how can we, it's, it's not just, how can I do uh, black metal screamo? There are, the record isn't pretending remotely to produce black metal effects, and it's not really, um, the overall sense of writing isn't really coming from there either, right? But it's black metal technique, black metal ideas, black metal structures, not necessarily the ones you'd expect used in specific ways to accomplish specific stuff in the songs. And, yeah, I can think of a few other solid post-black bands that do that. We've maybe reviewed a few of them on the show or mentioned them. But here it's sort of, uh, the cool thing is that as much as this music marks itself off as not pretending to be anything or not being based on gimmickry or novelty, the black metal element ultimately comes through anyway on a spiritual and atmospheric level. So, why the obsessive listening? Well, I mean, part of it is the record. It's, it's phenomenal, and I think any time in the last few years after I became more open-minded about things like this, I, I think I would have enjoyed it a lot and, you know, uh, felt some it would have resonated on some level. But, uh, you know... Since this is, you know, normally on the show we try to keep it pretty impersonal, but since, which is, you know, the proper comportment of black and death metal, but since this is sort of rooted in emo and hardcore and whatnot in its own ways, I'll get a little more personal. Uh, I feel like, uh, you know, back in, back in December, I had to sort of willingly part ways with a woman I loved more than, you know, anyone I've ever met. Right? And uh, that changes you, right? You know, it's uh, nine days I hung on that tree, you know, uh, impaled by my own spear. The runes fell from the branches. Uh, one by one, I caught them up, right? You, you learn, you, you, you change, you learn. Uh, I feel like I get this, I really, you know, it's one of those kind of like, man, I like really get it now, but I feel like I really get it now. I think I understand it in a way I wouldn't have before. Uh, and it's the rec listening to this has been a profoundly fortifying in a way that often certain kinds of emo or melancholy post-black or atmospheric black metal might not be, right? They might encourage you to a certain kind of indulgence. This has tapped into the, you know, it's tapped into the feels, but in a different way. And, you know, today I, I actually, sort of by coincidence, I, or completely by coincidence, I, you know, ended up uh, meeting up 
with my ex and, you know, talking with her for the first time in six months. And so I figured, well, I better go fucking record this review now. So uh, we're going in raw. But first, something like anytime you attempt to relate to a record, right, you want to make it clear that you're not claiming someone else's experience, right? The experience that went into Broken Play is clearly Damien Masters alone. And, you know, if anything, it's probably more tragic or intense than any, you know, anything I've had to go to go through, right? I'm not trying to say like, oh, this is all, uh, this record's about me or some shit like that, right? Um, it's, you know, it's about him and it's about everyone and everything, right? And what it's about more specifically is uh, heroin and loss, right? This record has a lot to do, I think, with kicking heroin and it has to do with some sort of uh, really sort of tragic thing that happened with a woman that he loved very much. And uh, it's not ever totally clear what that thing is. Um, I imagine there, you know, it's been worked on artistically to a point where it implies a lot of different ways and things. Um, so yeah, uh, we'll come back to this sort of impersonal versus personal kind of thing and the more kind of emo component of it all later. But let's talk about the music, right? So I think if you, and well, I guess we're going to be talking about that shit the whole time too. We're going to be, it feels all the way through, buckle up. So I think the track that encapsulates this record has to be uh, Baby Chain. I listened to the first couple tracks and I was like, whoa, this is fucking hard. Like, this is, this is awesome. Um, I, I like this even, you know, I like this more than I thought. And then Baby Chain comes on, and it is, well, at first it has that title, and second, it's, like, way more overtly uh, emo uh, than the first couple tracks. Um, and yet I think this is where the record, like, I often just start it here simply because it encapsulates things so well. You're going to get this kind of, uh, call it a sensitive mosh which uh, reminds me of bands like The Carrier, who keep the hardcore structures, but uh, all the texture is coming from sort of emo, screamo-type guitar. And so let's let's just listen to it. Uh, this is it's a great song. So we're going to go about uh, 30 seconds into Baby Chain. Thank you. 
wasn't easy to cut it there. But uh, yeah, so you got that sensitive mosh thing, right? Uh, in some of those big, uh, really, really physical parts. I mean, I, I love the, you know, the sort of, there's a kind of unhinged vocal, right? During that bum, 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 sort of breakdown build section, right? There's just, just screaming. And, you know, to some degree that, that was already in Screamo, but in a different way, right? That was very, you know, his tone there is a hardcore vocal, right? Kind of a, kind of a, you know, a, a tough shout, right? But, uh, though the way of doing that is straight like you know you can follow that all the way back to varg right just just be fucking nuts um and it's got this the song is so those chords are so delicate right those are uh straight up emo like not don't even have to be screamo right you could you could sing over those you could sing in a high voice over those whatever right um but it, it the whole thing has this uh, chest-thumping energy. You know, even though the chording and the basic melodic ideas are coming more from this kind of uh, American, introverted, sometimes like sentimental tradition, the music feels, it has that feeling that you get in the best, um, in the best black metal of any kind of flying, Right. I don't usually think of Blasty Scream. I was flying. It's not operating on that plane. Um, you get the sense of expansiveness that you get in black metal, right? Sort of the idea that I can just keep, this is sick. I'll just keep playing it, right? And a lot of the way he's playing it is straight from Slavic black metal, not in the superficial wolves in the throne room, like, oh my God, you can make it like pretty way. But in the sense of, oh, this guy spent a lot of time listening to Droog, listening to Blaze Birth listening and listening not just to the hits but to the uh listening to the ways that this music sort of approaches abstraction and extremity right um you know i mean the uh even the the approach to picking is pretty senko you know, I mean you can hear him picking with his whole arm right um and so that's all sick um this song also kind of gets is a good introduction to I guess the pregnant light character or the Damien Master character, which I you could call romantic protagonist anti-hero. So here's some lyrics. Wide eyes on my passenger's side, tonight we'll take a ride. One hand on the wheel, the other on your knee. I take control and drive us deep through darkened highway and quiet streets. We go forever. We die together. Have you ever felt God lied to you? Even though you know it isn't true. I thought I heard him whisper. Was the voice I heard my own or worse around my neck, this baby chain? Its tiny links spell out your name and it never comes off. It is who I am. It is part of me. It is my body. Out there somewhere, you wear one too. A golden truth when I die again. Let it rest with me above the Ouroboros. Right. I mean, the <laughs> you just tell you, you you get through all of that. Right. And you're finally back at you're, you're back at imagery that, you know, the last line could be in a, you know, could be. Could be in a song by, I mean, any great underground black metal band of the last 20 years or whatever. Right. That's could be in a House of First Light thing. It could be in it could be in Pagan Hellfire. Right. 
um, the, you know, the serpent devouring his tail, right? But before that, right, this is, you get the sense of there's, there's a specific kind of character here, right? He's sort of, um, he, he carries a profound grief, but also a kind of unerring confidence and a, a sexuality, right? Just like masculine sexuality that is very uncommon in emo or screamo, right? It exists as this kind of masculinity against itself, this kind of vexed and anxious thing, right? That's very male, just in a stupid way, um, or a adolescent way. And, you know, there's, of course, there's something to explore in that, right? Uh, and, you know, there are bands that did it better than others, right? And there's something to that kind of that particular mode of vulnerability, right? But this is a different kind of vulnerability. Uh, you can see it more clearly on uh, another track with it. It also combines the, the, the full sense of this character, which is, I am the man of your dreams. All right, so here are some lyrics. My Esme, your father's watch on your wrist and from your lips. I hear my name prepare a place. I see the light through a, the window. Pray for me softly. Remember my eyes flung so far from you. Wait for me, baby. Earth is a prison. I don't know how much time I'll do. So, one thing that makes this sort of a little bit different from the standard, you know, the stereotypical, and I think it, 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 the stereotype exists for a reason, uh, emo or screamo attitude, is you get this sense of deep mourning without a kind of melancholy dependence or regret. The, whatever happened is behind him in time, and it's not making him... The way it's... It's not making him miserable. It's, a, it's, it's, it's profoundly sad, but it's a source of sustenance and strength for him that this existed, right? He's sort of... Uh, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of affirmation. Um... And it's, that's, that's something you attain with a kind of maturity, right? Um, it, it's, uh, right, this is kind of, this music is heavy with the weight of experience, I would say. In that sense, it sort of reminds me of Plains Mistaken for Stars, right? Who are a, just an outstanding screamo band that sort of became everything screamo wasn't. Basically, just imagine, like, Matt Pike from High on Fire playing, uh, playing this extraordinarily heavy post-hardcore stuff. And, you know, like, Planes Mistaken for Stars is like, this is man screamo, son, right? This is screamo for dudes who drink whiskey and get laid and are still kind of, uh, still have their hearts left, right? Um, and that mood is very much here, right? You get this kind of bad boy with a heart of gold vibe, right? That sort of... Uh, roguish element is probably clearer on some of his other releases, like the new one that just came out, which is awesome. Just called uh, I Licked It, Now It's Mine. Highly recommended. Um, but, uh, yeah. So let's, that that's like, I think that song gives you a good sense of like this record at its most, yeah, just at its sort of most uh, beautiful and most, uh, you know, um, open-hearted, right? Um, but what's interesting about this is there are so many other tracks, so many other sort of 
pivotal tracks that are uh, flat. The lyrics are similar, but the songs are just flat out aggressive um, in a way that even a lot of more music that's trying to tell you how it's aggressive, how aggressive it is, isn't. So um, this is Broken Play, the title track. Um, and here are some, again, some lyrics from earlier in the track, uh, uh, from before the sample comes in. I spent that time running wild, living free, burning bright, electric in the night, queen of summer, I feel alive, sunglasses, sundresses, leather bound in deepest black, true fire and softest moonlight, trust me, hold me, close your eyes. Lay down your head, give in to me, hold tight the bunny, and feel me bleed, smile back at me from the kitchen sink, prepare our meal so we can eat. I taste the moment and savor every bite, our lips an open window. Tonight you are my wine, and through the mouth of pain and loss, just say my name, to see my ghost, I'll find you in forever. You actually got some of the lyrics I read there. Who who knows where they are in the song, really? I'm. It's it's rare that I pay this much attention to lyrics, right? You just listen to the the screaming and the the stuff about werewolves. But um, but like, what's really what I really want to emphasize about this track? I mean, I you can figure out the lyrics. I mean, I guess the one thing looking back on the lyrics since I read them is a thing I wanted to say earlier about. With this and with I Am the Man of Your Dreams and pretty much everything on this song, there's some ambiguity about whether they broke up or 
whether they're still together and going through some miserable shit or whether uh, she's dead, right? There's a lot of uh, a lot of spiritual stuff about the afterlife and about death, uh, reunion and death, uh, absence, um, and that undertone is important to this record. I'll come back to it. Anyway, let's talk about that track and get a little more, a little less sad sack, right? What's fucking sick about that is that that is just a thrashing hardcore song, right? Um, that song, what was incredible is just how long does he ride that sort of uh, Slayer beat groove, right? Uh, that is, that's like basically two minutes locked into the same groove and it keeps going right towards the end of the track it just rolls on and that and that's sort of like the that shows really careful attention to something you know i you know i talk about a lot on the show which is sort of like repetition as a way of accumulating power repetition as aggression right and it's something you can pick up in (laughs) hardcore bands that write much shorter songs like clearly the imprint of discharge is on here right um, but it's been stretched out so sort of impossibly far, right? So, you know, like that was that section of the song was the length of uh, more than one discharge song, at least a lot of them. That you get this again, black metal ideas of structure and scale, right? Just repetitive droning uh, intensity, right? So. The thing that really struck me when I was listening to this track, and I think it's sort of, it's twin track, Future Panther, which I'll get to in a second, and which might be my favorite, my, my favorite or second favorite, and it's up there with Baby Chain on the record, right? These sort of twin tracks and various other points throughout the record, we start to notice during these really sort of repetitive parts where he's just, um, just riffing is the rock-solid rhythmic basis of this record. That is, I I don't know that I've ever, I'm sure this is true of a few other records, but I've never thought this before about anything. Um, You could change every single note on this, every single chord, every single lyric, and it would still rip. You could make this uh, dissonant as fuck. You could make it, uh, you you know, you could make it sound like, uh, you know, um, raw black metal. You could, uh, you could make it sound like, you know, I don't know, like Emperor or Sacramentum or something. You could make it sound much more like, you could certainly like just rewrite the whole thing as like, Sounding like Druid with some thrash parts, right? And you could even just like fuck up all the notes and make it sound like Skronk, and it would still rip. There's, I, I guess we've been th- talking about rhythm more on the show, and there's uh, the way that he's locked in over that thrash beat shows a complete command of the elemental parts of hardcore thrash black metal. An interest not just in the the bells and whistles and the things that make you sort of turn your head, but in like the actual stuff, right? The kill riffs, the uh, the the parts for running around with a sword, or you know, um, uh, you know, uh, thrashing like a maniac, as they say. Um, 
So there are a couple major influences on this track and on this album that are really unusual for this kind of music, uh, both in terms of stuff from the Screamo lineage and stuff that's integrating it with black metal. The kind of black metal that's most prominent on this record, as far as like, oh, that's X kind of black metal riff, is Bathory. It's, you know, black speed metal. It's first wave. Um, and, you know, Bathory certainly starts to, you know, takes those ideas from Discharge and starts to get that hypnotic sense of repetition and just sort of like drooling, drooling, grinning, uh, thrashing, locked in groove. And, um, you know, you can hear that there are speed metal leads and flourishes throughout this, right? Lots of awesome embellishment um, and lots of very physical playing. Um, and that actually connects to, uh, there's, on Colloquial Sound recently, they just put out a, uh, a, trib- a Bathory, Bathory cover record, um, a few different projects collaborating. It's called uh, The Dark Saint of Stockholm. It's a split between sort of bands that share some members, like Obliti De- Devoravit, uh, Damien Master himself, and Aksumite, or Aksumite, which is like his kind of straight-up mysterious guy hardcore band. So like, you know, n- noisy, stompy, ill-jarn shit, right? Um, and, you know, like there's... Uh, I'll, I'll play you the cover later in the interlude, um, or one of them. But... Um, he really so he's got experience playing that style and you know other bands basically, uh, or something more like that style, uh, and certainly the mysterious guy Iljarn beat type thing also important here in terms of just the sort of punkishness with hypnotic repetition. The other big influence here is uh, I mean Slayer right. There are two types of Slayer fans right. They're the people who like the who like Angel of Death and Rain and Blood the best, and there are people who prefer the middle of Rain and Blood. And Damien Master, if he doesn't prefer the middle, he certainly listens to it damn close and thinks that that's the important part. Uh, like if you don't like the middle of Rain and Blood, you don't like Slayer, and you probably don't like fundamental things about extreme metal. Uh, and that is where all the sort of uh, furiously rhythmic, disciplined, extremely physical, sort of aggressive riffing happens. Um, and this record seems tapped into... This record has a crazed energy through it, nonstop. Um, uh, Damien told me it was sort of recorded in a blur. And... Uh, that Slayer energy is here uh, throughout. And, you know, it also traces him back to certain roots. You might think, what the fuck does Slayer have to do with emo? And other than, you know, uh, emo kids in the early 2000s wearing Slayer shirts that they you know, they didn't know the band, right? Um, and th- what it is is the legacy of late 90s and early 2000s metallic hardcore. Um, I believe, if I'm getting this right, I think All Out War is a good example of totally Slayer-based hardcore. Um, Integrity doesn't sound like Slayer, but had a huge influence from them. Uh, That started much earlier. Um, And Converge at that time really was kind of the missing link between emo and Slayer. On their early stuff, right, you've got songs that are just like emo, kind of like not great, wimpy emo. 
and you've just got songs that sound like they literally could have been on Rain and Blood. Uh, Petitioning the Empty Sky, in particular, has a ton of Slayer stuff on it, and there's a bit on Jane Doe, too, and it's just... Like, obviously it's not as good because they didn't invent the style, but they play it just as well and come up with these incredible riffs in that style. They, like, completely inhaled Slayer. Um, so... This is just grounded. This has a very different basis than a lot of stuff in the same sort of emotional and uh, stylistic territory. And a lot of that in part has to do with right-hand control, picking, um, sense of sense of musical time. Future Panther is uh maybe my favorite ripper on the album i think i said that before uh this is towards the back end uh sort of working against the common tendency to make things more and more and more epic as it the album goes on or more and more sort of melodic which just happens a lot in records these days sometimes it's a good thing but in this case right we're going to get another uh pedal to the metal bathory slayer uh and yeah, I think I said before, the back end of this track really resembles the back end of Broken Play uh, with that sort of intense emphasis on repetition, furious repetition, possessed repetition, right? And, uh, and maybe carries it even further. But let's think about repetition in a somewhat different way. Um, earlier in the track, uh, about a minute in, check this out. thrash part kicking in at the end you know it just sort of bugs or sort of uh energizer bunnies onwards um that that you know that is an incredible lead melody though right uh and what it has is that quality that i think i i talked a little bit about on the uh on the episode we just put out uh 
about the idea of the infinite riff being this quality that black metal and to some extent, I think, you know, hardcore and certain kinds of death metal should also aspire to, right? I mean, Discharge being the first band to really nail it. The sort of the riff that can loop back on itself over and over and over again and just keep on sort of building power, right? Um, and this, the way he's repeating that, right, achieves this kind of black metal drone effect, right? That's like, that's like very Slavic black metal in the way he's doing it. Uh, and it, you could link it to the, you know, the heavy metal intensity of the Swedish black death bands too, but the riff sounds completely different, right? That's like a, it's got this sort of like flamboyant, almost hair metal quality to it, or power metal or hair metal. And what that is, is uh, the American screamo heavy metal riff, right? It's, that is heavy metal as processed by uh, dudes from the punk scene with feelings in the early 2000s, uh, maybe a little before then. Uh, it's, it's a distinct sound. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not an expert on, uh, that by any means, but like an off the top of the head example of that being done very prominently is, uh, the first couple of Coheed and Cambria records, uh, before they sort of, uh, I mean, they may have always, they, they may have been uh, over the shark from the beginning, but, uh, you know, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the first couple back in the day. And, you know, there's this kind of like Rush-based guitar heroics, but there's things about the scales, or things about just, not even scales, things about the note choice, the things they bring out about it that give it this specifically emo quality, sort of like, um, or, you know, there's the suburban desolation quality that you get even in certain kinds of metalcore, right? Um uh, and so just that sort of like looping climactic, uh, sort of like, this, it's a very, it's, it's got this sort of, it has this sentimental quality to it, right? You can almost like just put it in the Atari's cover of that, uh, you know, um, Boys of Summer or whatever, but it's triumphant right that is a moment of uh breaking through the wall right where this record sort of uh steps outside some of the raw material it's given and steps sort of into territory that is much more familiar to black metal people right um gives you that feeling of you know eternity right um yeah uh so you know and you could there, there's this rock and roll uh vibe to it right um, you know, you can hear him, his playing is great. You've got, it's sort of, again, this sort of, uh, you know, I like bends and sort of physical ornamentation like that. Uh, it's not fancy. It's looping around the same couple notes. Um, it's, it's, but it's really rocked out like a guitar solo. Um, and you could, I realized you could think of a pregnant light as the extreme sort of screamo wing of the thing we've been calling outlaw rock. Um, you know, when we talk about it, the death metal guy often sort of stresses the emo, the resemblances to emo, and I often give him shit about that and say, this isn't coming from emo, it's coming from this or that or that, right? And, you know, to some extent I stand by that, but it is also true that... Uh, whether it's convergent evolution or direct influence, and it's probably a little bit of both, depending on the band, 
uh, it does kind of tap into emo and screamo as just previous kinds of previous kinds of epic sounding distinctively American sounding music with a kind of uh, a bass and a certain kind of like uh, lush chords whatever right um, and you know aspiring to something other than just certain kinds of metal aggression or hardcore aggression right um, and this you know I think outlaw rock is honestly a pretty good description for at least a pregnant light on this record or I licked it now it's mine because in some sense the Damien master character is this kind of uh you know suburban Michigan cowboy right um, you know he's uh, he's uh, looking back over the shoulder at the village where his sweetheart is and he's you know riding off ahead of the posse right um, and so you get some of that I mean this song just nails that right future panther and here are some lyrics to that effect all black always like a priest I will wear this every day Black jeans, black shirt, black boots, my skin marked up with truth. Deep raven in India ink, I bring my knife up to your cheek. In darkness I flicker and spit. Oh, candle, singe that rope again. I feel the reapers swarming up my arm, blacking out the image, obscuring the already adorned. A horse laid heavy in blood and flesh that's torn, unbridled, true wild. I tame you, break you, thou art mine. I see a panther, she shows me all her teeth. Manifest in power, dig deep and cover me. I fear losing the details, the memory's so clear. Every day a step further, I fight the dream that time might steal, I drive all night. And so that is certainly American outlaw uh, material. Um, th those are some of my, like, the most memorable lyrics on the record. They're just uh, really fun to sort of sing along to or whatever. Uh, and um, a few things about that. A, a, a lyric that just stands out clear on the record that even someone like me who doesn't hear lyrics can pick out. Like, I feel the reapers swarming up my arm, blacking out the image, obscuring. That is, you know, there's the heroin aspect, right? Uh, and it's just such a, you know, I mean, all sorts of extreme music and punk and art rock, it's all filled with heroin stuff, right? You know? Um, and... Uh, you know, there are good heroin lyrics and bad heroin lyrics. Um, and this is one of the best I've, I've heard. Um, you know, it's a powerful and scary image, right? And it's, it's, it's poetic in the sense that it sort of, uh, transmutes everyday experience, right? I feel the reapers swarming up my arm blacking out the image and there's this, this collision between the idea of like the uh you know the, the the black liquid of the drug and the blackness of the reaper and death and also blacked out tattoos right it's like he's getting a sleeve up his arm which is uh ter terrifying and yet has every single aspect of that image contains the sort of uh outlaw swagger that runs throughout this even though it's reflecting on you know things that uh things that i think during this recording around then that he was uh he was trying to kick right so you know and you get also this awesome you get this awesome sort of you know uh very sort of un 
very sort of shameless imagery of male sexual conquest, right? You know, I, I, I tame you, break you, thou art mine. And then immediately toggles to an image of sort of aggressive female sexuality or just aggressive femininity in general. I see a panther, right? Big, big cat makes sense. She shows me all her teeth manifest in power, dig deep and cover me, right? That's, he's saying that to the panther, right? To the woman as a panther. He's, you know, saying manifest in your power, right? Dig deep and, you know, scratch me up, babe, uh, and cover me, right? Um, and yeah, that is, uh, that sort of crystallizes a whole bunch of what's going on in this record. Uh, okay, promise, last one. Uh, we're on Holy Death Candle. This is uh, maybe like the heart of the record in terms of its structure. It's track five out of eight. Um, and uh, there's another part here that I, that I really like. Um, you'll, get, uh, <laughs> you'll, get, you'll get two of my favorite things, which are, uh, you know, a kind of a mosh rhythms and uh, half blasts. You know, sort of uh, just da 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 eighth note blasting. Um, so musically, this is cool, but also listen to the lyrics and the, the general feeling, and think about think about the spiritual aspect of this record. Let's start a uh, bit over a minute into Holy Death Candle. So that melody at the end, right, that was just, uh, you get your half blast as a buildup, right, uh, cranks it up with, you know, hardcore power chords, and then it drops, and you get the uh, total rhythmic tension of a breakdown, right? Um, the sort of uh, sense of, like, each, the guitar sort of uh, swelling out, lunging out beyond the drums, almost like every beat or every two beats, you know? Uh 
you know, this is like a very uh, chest thumping part of the record. Like that's literally what you should do when you listen to it. Uh, And at the same time, the melody is that's the first black metal riff on the record or, you know, the most certainly by far the most black metal riff on the record. That might be the only part where you could point to it and say, yep, that's the black metal riff, at least if we're talking sort of what black metal has become, you know, second wave and on. Um, and what that specifically could be is that could be off, um, the Swan Road or Blood in Our Wells or something like that, right? It's like a, that has the, uh, the, it has the sort of folky quality, the drone quality, uh, the developmental quality and the vastness. I said quality too much. Um, the vastness of like Druid at their, at their peak. Um, and this, it's doing the same thing in some ways as that looping heavy metal riff from future Panther, or even the, uh, you know, uh, tooth grinding Bathory thrash, right? It's, you know, that is the gates of eternity, right? And, it's a place where in this song and throughout the record, it does this, but in this song in particular, there's a sort of a perspective shift or a flip from the, you know, we talk on the show about the inside versus the outside, right? The sort of, you know, or I, when I'm a shitting on emo, I'm talking about how it's too subjective, too introverted, too reflective, right? Well, on this record, that part is always in touch with something bigger. Right. And on this song, it really, uh, even just with that riff, you can hear the, the camera pan, right? You can hear the frame of reference shift. Um, but of course it's not the same as, as Druig, right? This is not, you know, um, you know, uh, mighty, mighty Cossacks of Rus or, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, singing the praises of the bountiful harvest kind of thing, right? Um, The lyrics here, and very often in A Pregnant Light, have this kind of Christian overtone to them. And, you know, maybe I'll talk about that with Damien a bit in the interview, but uh, it's something that's, I think, come up and past stuff about the band. Um, And uh, it's that kind of sense of the outside. So maybe something the death metal guy could vibe with. Uh, It's... So let's let's listen to the lyrics. In death, redemption, I hold no key. I follow the light that I cannot see. I feel it reaching. I have no fear. Manifest, appear, appear. In death, creation reborn in beams of radiant power. And unspeakable things, all for this mercy I give myself. I sacrifice my total being, concealed in violet, encased in ancient lilac, pulled from the orchid's vein blood like lavender amethyst rain. There you get manifest again, as an invocation, right? And you can't, is he talking to the girl or the lady? Is he talking to uh, God, you know, or Christ or something, or just the world? I have no fear, manifest, appear, appear in death creation reborn and beams of radiant power, right? 
there you go. It's it's you know it's an idea of redemption, but it's not just about oh making whole su- making suffering whole and making everything nice, right? This is about a immediate contact with something beyond us uh, and access to more than human power, right? And this that that's access through a kind of sacrifice, right? Um, and, you know, uh, and unsp- it's really to unspeakable things, right? And it happens all for this mercy I give myself. Right, so there you get the image of, you know, you know, of course, Christ in some way wills his sacrifice. But also sort of the whole point is that he sort of passively suffers it. And it's sort of linking over that linking that Christ suffering to the Odin paradigm, right? To sort of, uh, the, the, the self Odin is, I, he sacrifices himself to himself, right? This mercy I give myself, right? Christ sacrifices for everyone else, you know, Odin sacrifice has an importance beyond himself, but he sacrifices himself to himself. This is tapping into all of that, right? It's a very, very black metal way of being kind of Christian. Uh, and yes, self-given mercy. So, you know, that, that's, that's a lyric you could think about for a long time. Right. And there, there are a lot of those here. Uh, but yeah, and this relates just to a general thing was that one way or another stuff from the emo lineage, whether it's, you know, screamo or emotionally colored hardcore or whatever, it's best when that introversion is turned outward and so within that broader frame of reference. And I mean, I guess I already said that, but uh, it was just in my notes here. Um, a g- good examples of that would be Planes Mistaken for Stars, who've already mentioned. Um, you know, they sort of, his songs about his own life become sort of like murder ballads, basically. Or, of course, Converge, right, on Jane Doe, where the lyrics are actually very kind of there's this kind of theatrical story going on, but the lyrics are to distance it from the self, but the lyrics are very personal, but the music, right. is just like the pinnacle of inhumanity, right. That's just like, you know, uh, hearing geometry falling on you. Right. Um, but you know, another example of this is Jimmy Eat world. who I think are a great band, especially. Yeah. I mean, back in the day, uh, they had this, this thing where, you know, it's, it's, it's everything that's most poppy, sentimental, sort of warm and in some ways naive about emo, right? But it's always written with perspective, you know, weight of experience. They wrote those songs as grown men thinking about what it was like to be a teenager. And not really in this sense of up their own ass self-consciousness or like, uh, passive or sort of like reflection right not 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 in a classically sort of introverted way or overly sophisticated way it was more like they could write about being a teenager in relation to this whole world that the teenager can't see so if you think about uh you know can we take a ride and get out of this town while we still have time while we still have time Right. That's like about like a teenager looking out at the future from high school. Right. And and what what is out there? And it's written from out there uh, or the lyric that encapsulates this best is uh, 
the sweetness will not be concerned with me. All right. So finally, I want to talk a bit about um, the kind of characters that are integral to the music we love, right? Characters and heroes, right? So I remember when I was tangentially familiar with A Pregnant Light, probably from the very beginning. I mean, like 2011, 2012. Uh, and it got some buzz back then. It was right when the whole post-black thing was starting. And, you know, I remember at the time he called his music Purple Metal, which, uh, you know, now that, now that I understand his sort of uh, trollish sensibility, I think I get and I think it was also intended to say, hey, look, this ain't black metal. I'm not competing with, I'm not trying to, you know, say that, oh my God, this is the next evolution in black metal, right? So it, there's a kind of integrity to it and also a kind of winding people up quality to it, right? But back then I was like, what the purple metal? What the hell, right? And you look at the pictures of Damien, right? And he, you know, he's like a, he's like a, a handsome dude with a clearly defined style and it's all integrally related to the persona in the, the sort of outlaw, um, you know, tender-hearted outlaw persona in the lyrics, right? And it's like, who the fuck does this guy think he is? James Dean? Morrissey? You know, the guy who gets to, you know, he, 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 he always gets the girl and he always, you know, he's always got to roll on and, uh, you know, he's, but, but he's still got his... He, he, deep down inside, he's, he's wounded and he's got a, got a, you know, he can still love and all that. Right. And that can sound a little bit like, just like, yeah, geez, who, do, who, the, who the fuck does this guy think he is? Right. Or, you know, who, like it can, it can sound preposterous, right. To present yourself in that way. And that came in part because I was, you know, invested in a certain kind of black metal authenticity. Well, I don't think I understood it at the time and punk cynicism, right. Which is always, if you see someone else putting themselves out there, right, too much, it's a sign of uh, inauthenticity, right? Uh, it's a sign, you assume that whatever persona they're putting on, they haven't earned. Because you don't feel like you've earned it, right? Behind that cynicism, there's a defensiveness or an insecurity, right? Surely I can't be that cool. I can't be that badass dude. So surely he can't, and why would he even presume to be, right? Surely this is bullshit. Uh, and it's a preemptive defense mechanism. Punks do that all the time with all, all sorts of things and music. Uh, great example would be um, uh, Black Flag and Sonic Youth thinking they were very clever for mocking Venom, just because Venom had a stage show and had their hair, you know, their hair blown back by fans because they were an English heavy metal band. You know, the irony is if you want working class authenticity, I'll tell you which band has it, right? Um, and it's, it's the band who are trying to have a career. Um, but, um, and I'll tell you which is heavier, right? Fucking Venom, obviously. Uh, not the Sonic Youth isn't great. Black Flag overrated. But I digress. Point being, there's a certain kind of punk cynicism that can uh that comes from a place that's not so not so strong right and as you get older maybe you get you get more get more confident you get more experience of the world you start to figure things out and uh 
start to get rid of some of those reactive reflexes, right? That, you know, define this sort of crossed arms idea, standing back idea of cool, right? Which I've never been a fan of, but you know, you inherit versions of it without even trying. Uh, and what, what this really is, what the Damien Master Persona is, is incredibly black metal. If you approach it from the, if you think this is emo style sincerity, right? How could this guy hard on sleeve present himself as this, you know, romantic lead badass? Well, then you're not sure. Maybe that's a little weird, right? Or, but, um, but it's also just totally the wrong way of approaching it. You're already buying into a certain kind of idea of authenticity that doesn't really hold water, right? You know, naked confessional emo authenticity. Uh, can be bound up with certain kinds of cynicism. Um, this is persona on the black metal principle. So black metal asks you to buy into things that seem preposterous, right? So like, um, you know, yes, it is 1992. And in fact, the heroic norms of Norway in the age 850 still obtain. Uh, in fact, the gods are alive and we call them Satan. Uh, in fact, you know, if my honor is challenged, I will react exactly like a Viking, right? You know, and you can see Euronymous is starting this and Varg carrying it to its logical conclusion, right? And that's at the genesis of this music, right? You know, they, they carried it to this crazed, you know, transcendent intensity, um, that, you know, added with, you know, tragically, right? Um, you know, it's like, Surely you can't be serious. And they were like, surely we are, right? Surely you can't be a Viking, you know? Uh, maybe Euronymous didn't think Varg was uh, quite as Viking as he turned out to be, right? Um, and so, like, the point with all this, right, is that, like, the point is that Damien Master, it's, it's not that Damien Master is James Dean, right? But that the Damien Master character is to James Dean as... Uh, you know, sort of like, or Damien Master maybe the person is to James Dean, right? In this sort of like creating a character way. As Varg would have been to someone like Hakon Jarl, the last of the pagan nobles. Uh, and that I, who knows if he was into Hakon? I just, it's an example. Um, the point being that, uh, you know, when... Uh, when A Pregnant Light started, was Damien Master the person that he presented himself as? Of course not. That's not the point. It's a persona that you are moving towards, working in relation to. You're putting it on and you're drawing on its power, right? And, uh, you know, um, since this is a, a solo thing, I might, you know, indulge just a little more and uh, read something that I think relates to that. And I've probably meant to bring up on the show before. So this is a bit by uh, Yeats from, you know, the Irish poet from uh, some essays called uh, about artistic creation and uh, the gods and spirits called uh, Per Amica Silentia Lunae. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's about masks. Some years ago, I began to believe that our culture, with its doctrine of sincerity and self-realization, emo, made us gentle and passive, and that the Middle Ages and the Renaissance were right to found theirs upon the imitation of Christ 
or of some classic hero. St. Francis, uh, you know, be nice to birds guy, and Cesar Borgia, uh, you know, um, uh, savagely take over Renaissance Italy guy, made themselves overmastering creative persons by turning from the mirror to meditation upon a mask. When I had this thought, I could see nothing else in life. I could not write the play I had planned, for all became allegorical. And though I tore up hundreds of pages in my endeavor to escape from allegory, my imagination became sterile for nearly five years, and I only escaped at last when I had mocked in a comedy my own thought. Well, well whatever that means, right? I was always thinking of the element of imitation in style and in life, and of the life beyond heroic imitation. I find in an old diary, quote, I think all happiness depends on the energy to assume the mask of some other life, on a rebirth as something not oneself, something created in a moment and perpetually renewed. In playing a game like that of a child where one loses the infinite pain of self-realization, in a grotesque or solemn painted face put on that one may hide from the terror of judgment. Perhaps all the sins and energies of the world are but the world's flight from an infinite blinding beam. And again, at an earlier date, if we cannot imagine ourselves as different from what we are and try to assume that second self, we cannot impose a discipline upon ourselves, though we may accept one from others. Active virtue, as distinguished from the passive acceptance of a code, is therefore theatrical, consciously dramatic, the wearing of a mask. I thought the hero found hanging upon some oak of Dodona an ancient mask, where perhaps there lingered something of Egypt, and that he changed it to his fancy, touching it a little here and there, gilding the eyebrows, or putting a gilt line where the cheekbone comes that when at last he looked out of its eyes, he knew another's breath came and went within his breath upon the carven lips, and that his eyes were upon the instant fixed upon a visionary world. How else could the god have come to us in the forest? The point of all that, really, is that you put on masks to become them. Right? You, and uh, the best example of that is Iggy Pop who will talk with a kind of rueful, mature reflection about the way that, you know, he created Iggy Pop, you know, uh, uh, James Osterberg uh, created a character who was Iggy Pop, who was this shirtless uh, Dionysiac maniac, right, who would do anything uh, and who was utterly possessed. And then, you know, over the course of his life, he uh, started becoming the character, right, to a degree where the character almost destroyed him. And eventually he, and, you know, there was, there was heroin. Uh, and eventually he, you know, had to realize that in order to get a different kind of control over his life, right? He had achieved the extreme potency of becoming the mask. And then he had to step back and realize what had happened, right? And the limits that had carried him past. Uh, but the whole, the point is that, you know, I mean, would... Would Iggy Pop do it any differently in retrospect? Oh, fucking of course not, right? Uh, and we all need Iggy Pop. And so the point is that in some ways this Damien Master character that might seem so preposterous to a, you know, dyed-in-the-wool black metal guy or to somebody who listens to, uh, you know, suffocation 
uh, on repeat, right? This is this is a mask, and it's a heroic mask, and it works exactly like the masks that you know, the mask that comes on with the corpse paint, right? And the idea is that clearly over time, Damien has grown into his mask, and has to a greater degree become the mask, and that has informed who he is, right? And it has empowered him, and it has come with challenges. Oh, I hate the word empowerment. It has brought him brought him power, right? And new challenges. And, uh, you know, the point is to some extent, uh, anyone who's interested in this, this kind of life, right? Uh, can put on the mask. very special episode of Terminus recording on the next day. So today the death metal guy couldn't make it because he said he and his wife are out gathering flowers to make a midsummer crown for their cat Moira because she is, and I quote, the solstice princess of our hearts. Aww. Anyway, I, uh, 
I am. I have the honor of being here in the studio with uh, Damian Master of A Pregnant Light and Colloquial Sound Recordings and uh, some other bands, including Aksumite. I say Aksumite. All right. Cool. And so this is Damian. Howdy, folks. How y'all doing? Yeah. So um, I was thinking, you know, we'll we'll get to that all that you know usual interview stuff later. I was thinking maybe we would just start by talking metal since it's a metal podcast. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No. I and like I said, full transparency. I just listened to your review um, earlier today, and as I was driving over, I truly, truly contemplated turning the truck around because, um, like I mentioned, like I, I don't. Like, no disrespect to anyone who's ever written anything about me, because um, a lot of them are, are friends or become friends and become close acquaintances. But, like, I don't think anybody ever really got it like that. Um, they right. did, for sure, but it was just cool to hear. It was just cool to hear it. Um, frankly, it's been a few years, you know, but, like, nobody really got it like you did. And it was one of those things where I wondered, like, if I speak on it at all, am I going to diminish the awesome thing? And I... I made that joke to myself earlier where I said that I wanted to take what you had, uh, what you'd recorded and like burn it onto CDs and then walk around and just hand them out to people as I encounter them, you know, like, hi, like this is what somebody thinks of oh, me. Oh man. So thank, so thank you. Thanks man. That means a lot. No, no man. This okay. is, this is a, a, a true honor. Well, likewise. So let's fucking so talk dumb about people metal. say true honor. It's so dumb, but it's 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 really nice. It's a dude. It's a you know we like black metal. True honor. Yeah. So let's talk about um, fucking so metal stuff. You've you know you came up in the hardcore scene. I'm going. I'm gonna wildly assume. <laughs> yeah, yeah, punk but, and hardcore. But honestly, like, but, but metal was me- there too. Yeah. Yeah. So at what at what point? At what hooked you into it? And at what time, roughly? Do you know, here's, I don't know if I've told the story before, but uh, I got into black metal from a kid at church camp. <laughs> and I know that sounds 100% fake. And also, I don't know, I've never seen him since church camp. Mm-hmm. And his name was James Brown. That's all. No. That's, I, I swear. Does he exist? You know what I mean? I've like, been told that he, that I didn't invent him, that he was uh, there. No, not invent, just like, you know, sent from... Or a higher round. Other other people saw him as well, so yeah. they, there there was co hallucinations. <laughs> it, it weren't just me. Then again, I don't know what was in those pancakes in the morning. So. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't. I do know that if you ingest large amounts of powdered eggs, mm. sometimes black metal people appear <laughs> out of nowhere. So this is like middle of high school. Uh, no, quite quite a bit earlier. Actually. Oh shit! Nice. Yeah. Um, like actually very like dude, maybe like ninety nine. Were you already into punk stuff? And, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like I can middle school times. I can yeah. truly say that I've been into punk rock since ninety two, which which is I am a part of a record store. I love record store. I love record store culture, and the reason that I am that way is because I saw Nirvana on TV, and I thought that they were the coolest thing I'd ever seen, and in ninety two. You had to go to a record store to buy records. And, <laughs> you know, luckily my folks were pretty hip and, like, took me to a record store as opposed to, like, a Sam Goody or something. Awesome, yeah. And um, just thinking, like, well, they'll have that there. Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. Who knows if they'll have it at the mall. Yeah. And I went to a record store and the, the single most – I mean, this, I think, is the biggest thing that ever changed my life was going in as a child, asking for Nirvana, 
and then and the guy selling it to me and then me going back saying what else do you have and rather than the guy going uh soundgarden alice in chains pearl jam yeah, yeah whatever yeah, yeah. he goes well you know if, if you like nirvana you should listen to the bands that influence nirvana dude and i was like okay like like what and he goes sonic youth dinosaur jr the meat puppets fugazi uh and i think big black <laughs> so, I feel like I feel like that's a jump in caliber at the end. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, that's and like so, a, that's a higher proof. Yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, um, I, I think I think he said Big Black. I, I remember I got a Big Black pretty early because it had the F word in one of their albums. So that's infinitely appealing to a child. Yeah, it you had know, the like, uh, it had the anime girl on the cover. Yeah, it was a song yeah, about yeah, fucking record, yeah. and you're just like, <laughs> and you're like, oh, oh, this is for me. There's a swear word on it. It's got to be cool. So. Yeah. um so I've literally been that way since the start. So like my first first record was Nevermind. And then like my second record was Bugged by Dinosaur Jr. Hell and yeah. then like my third record was like Evil from Sonic Youth. And then I got like Meat Puppets 2. And then I got uh, I think 13 songs from Fugazi. And then I got it just all into a Black Flag. He was mm-hmm. like, you got those into Damaged. You got yeah, yeah. that stuff. So so I am a, a lifelong hardcore punk, and then um, I got into metal just because it was aggressive. I really like the aggressive, anti-authoritarian stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, got into metal. Uh, of course, like thrash metal was super cool. It wasn't cool in '92, but, certainly not. But you but got I didn't know. So you got immediate. But if you're working, it was it like moving from hardcore to things that are relevant. Yeah, to hardcore? yeah, for, for sure. For me, the first properly metal shit, I probably was obviously I listened to Converge and whatnot before. Mm-hmm. That, but I definitely like when I got into metal, I went and got Kill 'Em All and Rain and Blood. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think I had my my first metal records I can match with puppets. I think, and it was mm-hmm. like, oh, this rips. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it didn't seem like that long from '86 to '92, '93. Didn't seem. Even though, like, the Black Album... I was going to say, did you have negative associations because of the Black Album? I don't... No. I, I think I think I thought of them as, like, two separate bands. Ah. Uh, because I, I was a child. No, that makes you know sense. I mean? That kind of like, makes sense. I was like, oh, it's, like, a different Metallica or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, like, that might as well be true, right? Yeah, it might as well. So, so I, I got into metal, always liked metal, and then I'm guessing when you say metal, capital M, like... We're on, like, an extreme metal No, show. I mean, I, I was, yeah, we want to go there eventually, but I was going but for expansive, whatever's yeah, so like part black of metal, Yeah, I, I went to this church camp, and I, I started playing guitar. There was a kid who wore a lot of black t-shirts, which I was, I was a black t-shirt kid, too. Sure. Uh, still yeah. am. And, uh, and much to everyone's disgust, like, they're constantly like, when are you going to grow up? And I was like, uh... Wait, that is the grown-up look. Yours doesn't even have a graphic on it. I'm sitting... Yeah. Well, I'm... I'm sitting here. ripping shirt though. You want to tell them what it is? Cheers, bro. Yeah, it's um. I'm sitting here in a disgustingly ripped Deviated Instinct shirt that uh, I got at a live show. It rules. Yeah, sure. It's, uh, I can smell the stench. <laughs> I can feel the stench. Um, but like, got into um, he had he was into playing guitar too. So I went up to him and I was talking to him about guitar, and he was. I asked him what kind of music he liked, and he said black metal. And I was like, I. Don't know what that is. I know of like Metallica, mm-hmm. and uh, I had a guitar teacher whose favorite band was Testament. Yeah. So to this day, Testament is like my all-time favorite like trash band. 
They're the best. Not sure I've ever heard Testament. Is that true? I think I, oh, I think yeah. I, you know, there are certain tiers of like the Bay Area stuff where it's just like, I just, I read about it on the internet. So I was just yeah. like, yeah, I'll skip this. They're the band that was like, everyone pretty much agrees on the fact that like, Anthrax doesn't belong in the big four. That's for sure true. Uh, for, for number one, the fact that they're fucking goofballs. And number two, that like, they're not from California. They're the oddball out there. They're the New York band. Mm-hmm. Out of three California that's, bands. That's a good point. And it's like, they were just on a major label, so they had that push. They were the MTV band, yeah. Yeah, and they were, they were goofballs. So, Testament really should have been that fourth, mm. fourth position. But anyway, he uh, he was like, I mean, black metal, don't know what that is. Can you explain it to me? And I think he played um, Vampire. <laughs> And I was totally just blown away, but not in a good way. Just like, I don't get this. This was 99? Yeah. Yeah, so this would be peak time for, yeah. like, dark, when beginning did, of dark days. Yeah, when did when did Cruelty and the Beast come out? Um, I, Death Metal Guy would know better than me. I mean, so we a couple can metal archives. Keep, keep talking, I'll metal archives it. So, yeah, a couple years yeah, after, maybe. Yeah. So I think he played, I think he played Vampire, and mm-hmm. I was a little, like, shocked and horrified. Not in, like, a, yeah, not in, like, a good way, either. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got, was, it was eight ninety eight. So, oh, Vampire's a track off that. No, no, it's, it's, it's isn't there a cover? Yeah, it's got the two, the two sort of vampire bitches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, um, yeah. So, okay, so I'm, I'm, I've told the story before, and I want to make sure I wasn't making it mm-hmm. up. But, and he played Vampire for me, and I was like in a CD booklet that had the covers in the front. Mm-hmm. So like I pulled out the cover and had like titties on. Yeah, it. I was yeah, like, yeah. Whoa, oh hell yeah, this rules. And then, but I didn't like the music. And then he was wearing a Death Crush shirt, which is super aggro for like a church camp. And for ninety nine, also I feel like totally. shit like that was actually forgotten. I, I'm assuming that it was kind of forgotten. And this is a kid time. who was a, maybe a year year older than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like I don't know his backstory or how he got into it, but it was it was true subculture shit. You know, that's that's the thing that I really lament about today. And I, I, you can call me like a middle-aged boomer or you can call me like a millennial, whatever. But like subculture is so accessible now, you know, through just like I had to get like, it's crazy. You can walk into a record store and buy a Gizmo reissue. And it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. for years, I had to find someone who would make me a tape. I was like a tape of a tape of a tape, you know? Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I heard Japanese hardcore is cool. God, how do I find this stuff? And so he was he was real tuned in to that, to that scene, the real classic Norwegian stuff. His favorites were Burzum, Mayhem, and you know, Cradle Filth. Dude, Death Metal and I gotta try to stalk this guy. We gotta figure out what. Yeah, he and you can't and you can't explain to somebody when I had an, I had another podcast which you don't have to talk about because it doesn't exist anymore. Okay. But we did an interview with Cradle Filth. And I had like a big thing where I was like, defending them because they're mm-hmm. sort of like a joke now. But like you don't understand, like in '98, '99, this was this was the most intense shit on the planet. Nobody knew who Mayhem was. Nobody, nobody. But Cradle of Filth was like, big and had distro, and they were crazy. And, and like, I mean, the music does. Yeah, it's easy once you acquire a taste for this yeah. shit to think that's poppy. But like, even I mean, even if you compare it to the kind of extremity and hardcore at the time. Which was very, ex- you yeah. Know, I mean, you're you're getting like late '90s metallic hardcore for sure, hard yeah. shit. But like, just the level of crazy, right? Like, if you're yeah. not familiar with like blast, be- here's blast beats for six minutes. Yeah, and I'd never you know? heard um, drums like that. Which of course, yeah. those drums are you know 
much hated or whatever, but like mm-hmm. I had never heard sonically anything or like hearing, you know, Dave Asteris, like, like it's crazy. I've just, you know, I've never heard anything like it before. And so that's, that's, that was my instruction in metal. And then to, to that extreme side of metal, went to a record store. Uh, then they had Cruelty and the Beast. Uh, so I bought that because I thought it was cool mm-hmm. and it looked cool. And I just fell in love with that record. And that's still to this day, is, you know, it's a top five black metal record for me. Um, I know like every word on that record, and there are a lot of words on that record. Do you think the pregnant light? Um, do you think some of the pregnant light spirit, say, having some more, uh, being a little more sensual, um, having a kind of more? We talk on the show about a certain kind of various kinds of flamboyant masculinity, right? Yeah, yeah Danny yeah. Filth certainly one. I mean, maybe Danny Filth is is further out on the camp side. However, yeah. he's uh, like we love a sure. certain idea of like there's some a lot of black metal, right? Is yeah. and, and I like it in part. I like this about it is totally sexless, right? Right. But like Cradle of Filth was that he heard this different thing in it. Yeah, and there's the, some relation to Pregnant Light there. It's a short king, little horn dog. <laughs> like I'm a big uh, dog, little horn dog, maybe I guess. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean. I, when I met or I don't think we we actually didn't meet Danny uh for the thing, but he did uh he did sign my vinyl copy of Cruelty and the Beast. Oh yeah. Uh, Bestial Wishes. Damien, Bestial Wishes, calm up Danny. Dude. Was was he chill to interview? We didn't interview him. He was busy. So uh, we did we did the rest of the band. Um but we're, I mean, we're big Danny Filth supporters on this show. Danny, if you're listening, we have created a subscriber tier just for you. It is the tier known as You Are Literally Danny Filth. Uh, you can you can, uh, can find us on Patreon or Subscribestar and uh, subscribe at what for you would be a pittance of uh, $50 a month to support our excellent work where we uh, continually attempt to rehabilitate Cradle of Filth. Anyway, continue. A, a one-time a, a one-time fee is enough, right, Danny? It <laughs> need not be monthly. Just, just once. That's true. If he even did it once, we would be very happy. Yes. Yeah. Um, grand opening, grand closing, as Jason yeah, would yeah, say. Yeah. yeah. I follow his Instagram, and it makes me so happy. Yeah. He's into, like... Uh, anyway, we have to talk about Danny Phil. Yeah. We're going to talk about me, damn it. All right. Um, so, yeah, that's how I got into metal. And so I have that background history of being into the stuff of kind of before it was cool. And then... That was it. I didn't really dig super deep because also keep, you got to keep in mind I'm like a growing boy, yeah. So I'm also into like Earth Crisis and I'm also into like Nick Cave and I'm also into Neubauten mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I'm also into like Nine Inch Nails mm-hmm. and I like my main thing was like skate punk. You got I, you can't explain to like a kid now how like frantic and disjointed people's CD collections were in like 1998. I, I kind of, I mean, I was obviously you a little it. younger you, than yeah. you, but I get it. I mean, yeah. in high school I was listening both to the, both to shit like stuff that then was very deep cut, like the birthday party and killing joke. Yeah. And I mean, uh, you know, it took some time to find those, but certainly well within high school was into those. And at the same time, like black sales in the sunset, AFI. Yeah. Right. And I and also, like, like, like Thursday or, right. uh, you know, yeah. Um, and I also like love Christian metalcore. Like, that's a thing that I love, too. Yeah, you were saying so, something about Zao the other day. Zao, yeah, yeah, one of my all-time favorite bands, 100%. Yeah, so it's like, it was just, I'm different in the sense that, like, I was a rabid music guy. Still mm-hmm. still am to an extent. Um, so, yeah, just a total, that was my thing into metal. And then I ended up moving all around the country. I lived in a dozen places and settled uh, 
where I am and ended up hooking up with, sorry, hooking up is the wrong word to use. That means something else these days. Right. Connecting? Uh, meeting someone. Platonically uh, hooking up? Platonically hooking up with the great, uh, the great John Serba. Uh, and we, he was really into black metal too. This is like a dude who was like at Milwaukee Metal Fest, you know, saw the first Mayhem US performance, mm-hmm. that kind of, he was mm-hmm. that dude. So, um, yeah, these legendary lineups and you're like, you, you ask me people were there and he was like, I don't know, 600, you know? I, I looked, s- looked, like, looked like a European festival lineup now that was in Milwaukee in 98. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen brochures for that on the internet. Right. Yeah, and they're, they're absolutely insane. Right. And, you're, and there's something funny you realize from that is just like, you know, if you come into a scene at the right time, your band will be legendary because right. it's there at the right time. Every right. single band on the lineup is now to some degree legendary, right? Yeah, for sure. And every so, single band. And there's on the like lineup, twenty of them. Right. Yeah. And every single band on the lineup could arguably headline now, especially mm-hmm. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Um. But uh, yeah. Anyway, that's so. I sort of he was into that stuff, and I got into that mm-hmm. stuff, and then that was also right around the time late nineties, early two thousands, where. There was that bubbling up and like of, of bands like Weekly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff, which I got into that stuff. And then a couple years passed down the road, and that's when like the USBM stuff, as it's called now, meaning of course I say Krieg, uh, Draugar, Zaster, Leviathan. Leviathan. You wouldn't count Weekly with that different generation. Oh, it was just predated a little bit. Okay, you know, like I think that they were the father. I think they were the father. Zaster's the son, or, mm, or mm. literally Leviathan's the son, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so then that, that thing kind of popped off, and that really kind of got me interested in metal again. But I was always interested in it, but I was always playing in punk and hardcore bands, and as the thing fast-forwards to, like, 2010-ish, like, I was in a couple of really cool hardcore bands that were probably on mark to go places and do things. What were what were the bands? I mean, we... I'm not here to talk about those motherfuckers. I'm here to talk about me. All right. And so I was on I was in some cool hardcore bands where we're on a place to do some cool things, and um, you know, they fell apart for the same reasons that that many yeah. bands do, which are like, well, we can either tour ten months out of the year and become like Madball or Comeback Kid or Hate Breed, mm-hmm. just like, hey, where do you live, like? That van over there, you know, or I can get married and have children and do whatever. And like a lot of those dudes decided the latter. So it kind of left me with my dick in my hand, so to speak, because honestly, and I've said this before too, like I would totally be happy just like playing guitar in like a mid-level hardcore band. Just, I'd be happy with that. I mean, so you, you I, enjoy playing live. Like I do. Yeah. Differently from a lot of, a lot of one man bands. Or I was talking yeah. to someone yesterday who was like, I started playing music one man and only later learned to appreciate playing in a band or like uh, live APL thing is, is the number one, it, the number one thing it literally keeps me up at night. It literally, it literally keeps me up at night. So super stressed out about it. Cause I think like that's what's when I talk to people about like APL and they're like, what, why, why doesn't APL like break through the next level? Cause you gotta keep in mind, like this all sounds like corporate, whatever bullshit talk, but it's like, Let's be honest here. There's levels to this shit. You know what I mean? There's, mm-hmm. there's yeah, for sure. Bedroom demos or whatever. They're like you obviously are capable and have the ability to do it. Like yeah, it's like why getting don't you take at, it to the next getting level? booked at a mid level festival, playing a large bar of a certain kind. yeah. Like yeah. why don't you play a four hundred cap room? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like that. That would that's not a bad place to be. No, 
You know, I was like, I would like to play to 250 people in Des Moines on Thursday night. I have no problem with that. It's selling out. And the live thing was just like, it's it's where the band has to go. Mm-hmm. It's Interesting. What, it's, it's absolutely the number one thing on my mind is like, everyone was like, Need live shows need to happen. Live shows need to happen. Live shows need to happen. So it's like it literally keeps me up at night. So what are the what are the obstacles to that? Who? Who? Well, you've got people you play with now, but is it more in in those other in, in those other bands, right? Like I mean, barely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, but t- that's sort of like informal. They can't tour with you, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, the thing about like you know being in a band is like you you've, so you got five guys that you're essentially like yeah, yeah, yeah. married to. You got to get five guys on the same page. And then, you know, there's got to be Chiefs and there's got to be Indians. Um, it's it's hard to find, you know, obviously, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm the big general of the of the, man, of the organization, so you got to find four soldiers who want to march into battle, you know what I mean? Yeah. I say that, you know, just to do the analogy, it's not like a corny metal thing. Like, Marduk says, like, we march to battle uh, on stage every it, night. It can be that. I mean, yeah. to be fair, Marduk does. Maybe one of the few. I yeah. maybe one of the few that yeah, really does. Yeah, yeah, my 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 nose on cornea can attest to that. Yeah, I've seen yeah. them, uh, you know, a half dozen times. It's just yeah, truly some Panzer Division shit. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's wild. Yeah, um, but um, no, fair point, fair point. So. But I do, I am working on it to an extent. Uh, it's it's the hardest thing I've ever done because uh, it's easy to just make music and it's easy mm-hmm. to just write and record and put stuff out, um, but. I think taking it to the next level will uh, taking it to the live shows will get it to the, to that next level uh, because I am interested in doing that. Okay. I don't I don't want to to uh, just do the same thing over and over again. Like I want to progress as an artist. I want to progress mm-hmm. as a musician. I th- I think I have. It's pretty yeah. obvious that I have. Um, people get on the train. People get off the train. That happens too, which I'm fine with. Um, but I think bringing it in front of people is really. And I've had I've had no shortage of people asking for it, and I've had no shortage of people encouraging me to do it. Uh, it's just like maybe I need to just do one of those like like uh, like Dillinger Skate Plan did. Like we need a singer. Like we do. Do you want to do it? Do you want to do it now? We've we've maybe, got some yeah. listeners. Yeah. Hey, if you can play guitar or drums or bass or whatever, <laughs> I'm easy to find. <laughs> I you know. Um, yeah, maybe it needs to be that. You know, honestly. I mean, it, yeah. it, why not? I mean, like, a bunch, you know, like, a bunch of chill-ass people listen to this show. Yeah, I mean, so. if you're a capable musician and wish to, like, play these festivals and play with these bands and tour with these people, like, mm. yeah, maybe maybe, maybe this is my hat-in-hand moment of, like, come aboard. Like, yeah, hell yeah. I'm a pretty no, normal we, dude. We strongly support full band lineups, right? Yeah. And absolutely. so, like. You'll yeah. never be in the studio with me. <laughs> But you know, a lot of people love that. A lot of people no, love that. Oh, because yeah, because it must want, be a pain in the ass. Yeah. They want to like show up to the gig, have a couple beers, mm-hmm. hang out with some people, travel, see mm-hmm. some cool places, yeah, yeah, yeah. rock the gig. That's it. Like they don't want to be in the studio with me while I'm obsessing over how to make a part sound more like Johnny Marr. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. more discharge at the same time. Like how to make it sound more like discharge and the Smiths at the same time. Oh, do you like Miserable Lie? Uh, that song by the Smiths. Yeah, yeah. Because like that's I, I I I still am wondering were they intentionally copying a, a Motorhead or disc beat because it would have been right around the time. Uh, no. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I can not. say with fair certainty, no. 
But it, it but really does work that way. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, here's the deal. Mm-hmm. Music, you know, music, obsessive music guy that I am, I bet what they were channeling were the buzzcocks. Mm. And the buzzcocks are the first people on record to have the what is now the DB. Really? And in I fact, I've never Discharge, barely ever listened to Discharge them. said they got the beat from the Buzzcocks. Holy shit. So that's your tab. The only tab. other place yeah. you can source it to is um I got a right by the Stooges. Yeah. Um which I am I'm not sure it's exactly the it's same not, but it's but the, basic. The, the Buzzcocks thing is the DB. Interesting. Totally and then and then Motorhead got it from Discharge. Yeah. Did Motorhead literally get it? From I believe Discharge? so. I yeah. was just thinking about that the you other day. You see Lemdog, you see Lemdog in Discharge yeah. shirts all the time. That's awesome. They sounded different before they heard Discharge. No, I mean, well, so where where does Overkill fall on that then? Because like, right? Because they get the um obviously that record's like two different bands on the same record. Yeah. Right? You know, they have the boogie songs, which are eh, whatever. And then yeah. they have like Overkill, which right. is like maybe their best song. For sure. And like that's got How the many times can that song end? I love it's great. it. Infinite riff. Yeah, it's great. It's just yeah. Dude, I mean, so that song, right? They've got the the double pedal kick, and it's doing the same rhythmic thing as a DB. Basically, it's this kind it of syncopated just one two kick drums. Yeah. yeah. So, do you think they got that before? Do you think that's from Discharge, or do you think they got that on their own? I think it's what happens when you mix Discharge with uppers. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um. So um, yeah. So let's. Well, we're on a good train of thought then, because yeah, yeah, the thing yeah. I talked about in the review is um. You know, the influence in this sort of, you know, Unbroken Play in particular, but you can hear it on, uh, certainly on other Pregnant Life recording, it's, uh, especially like the new one, I liked it, now it's mine, right, is even though the music has a lot of the textural qualities and the sort of melodic qualities that you associate with black metal from second wave on, and especially from the 2000s on, right, it's uh, true. Even though it's got all that, right, the real bass is coming from stuff like Bathory that taps in directly to Motorhead and to Discharge. Hundred percent. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um you, I mean you said it totally right in the inter or in the review mm-hmm. rather. I don't know why I said review. In the review. <laughs> um get on microphone and start saying silly stuff. But um yeah, in the review I think you totally got it. And like you said the thing like when you're talking about the infinite riff, like that, you know, and and hopefully the seriousness of the review doesn't uh is not undone by us just two dudes hanging out being goofy if anything hopefully it endears it to your listeners yeah. who aren't familiar with the record because it it the the review makes it sound yeah like like i'm like nick cave fighting journalists strung out and you know punching people in the street which i'm not gonna say that i wasn't there <laughs> but uh you know uh i'm not there now yeah yeah um, you do still sort of have the haircut Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I, yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't think I didn't adjust it a few times before I came in and oh, checked I appreciate it. it yeah, well, you know, um, you got to look good. You got to look good for everybody. Understood. Yeah, no, it, it is true. He, uh, he he has a consistent, he is in full Damien Master. There is it, there is no inconsistency Do you know what here. sucks about that? What? I can't escape it. I wake up and I'm this way. I'm just extra all the time. That's I awesome. Yeah. It's punishing to be me. Just, and and you always had that kind there's of there's no sweatpants day I was gonna say yeah I'm literally in uh, gym shorts you're good uh, yeah, yeah yeah you're good but um I, yeah I'm I'm out of uniform but yeah, there's um, no athleisure version yeah. of Damien yeah it's, yeah, yeah. it's full on like boots chains and thus as it has it always been yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm a I'm a serious man. Were there uh what what, what so fashion icons Morrissey? Um, I do you know I, do, I don't really you James know, Dean I don't know yeah you but, know, the, but the specific boots and black thing is different for both of those it is it's it's my own it, it is my own take on it which is again sounds egotistical and crazy but I've always if punk taught me anything it's be yourself do what you think is cool and I I've run with that to this day I will not do something if I don't think it's rad you know and, or I won't give in and I even see like especially in hardcore you mm-hmm. see a lot of like. Hardcore kids are the worst trend hoppers. Oh my god, the worst like they on the planet. Like ugh. fashion, whatever. Like they'll it was they'd be, so disillusioned. Yeah, they'll be trying that. to change the cut of jeans they're wearing all the time, the way they wear their hoodie, even like the size of t-shirts. Like you'll see, you know, we used to see guys, you know, obviously like in metalcore, everyone's wearing a shirt two sizes too small. Mm-hmm. And there was a brief period where everyone wore the correct size shirt, and now everyone's wearing a shirt two sizes too big. It's fine. I literally do not care. Uh, it doesn't matter to me, but like to me, like a vibe and aesthetic is important. Uh, yeah, it, it, like I tell people, I wear the same thing every day. I literally wear this every day. I have no other nice. outfits. I tell people it's like a priest or a prisoner. How many versions of each garment do you have? Uh, you know, I've probably got like a like a half dozen or, or eight shirts. Mm-hmm. And then because I'm punk, I spent a majority of my life, a vast majority of my life, one pair of black jeans. Respect, right? Yeah, respect. So, and living in constant mortal terror of the crotch blowout, Dude. which was inevitable. Yeah. It's inevitable. It just, it happens. And um, I recently, in the in the past, like, two years, uh, have discovered that as an adult, well into my 30s, that it is financially feasible for me to have two pairs of pants. Holy shit. So, so I, what I've done is, this is very, this is kind of groundbreaking. Uh, when I went to the store to purchase these jeans, what I did was I grabbed two pairs and identical in every way. Yeah, sure. And I rotate them every other day. And, you know, uh, it's a big deal for me. And so, uh, although they look the same, I assure you they're, they're the same, they're the same brand, but I, I do have two pairs of pants now. Awesome. Yeah, my my current pair is um, acquiring the smell. Uh, right. It's uh. Do you ever throw them in the freezer? That's a good idea. Yeah, it kills uh, the smell. Yeah, it's a punk trick. I might I might do that in a sec. Yeah, uh, yeah. Throw them in real quick. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go throw these jeans in the freezer. Yeah, I'll um, man the show for a while. Yeah, all right. Uh, talk very... about Bathory. Okay, Bathory. Well, uh, I got into Bathory, uh, probably pretty quick and early on, because. They were ubiquitous. They were also one of the few bands that had distribution with stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You could get Bathory records. You could get Venom records. You could get Cradle Filth records. Um, so Bathory was a very uh, early influence. And then when the hardcore band started falling apart and I was interested in doing this black metal thing, I was very inspired by uh, Burzum, which, of course, I'm sure that snippet will be cut and taken out of context by somebody at some point. Um <laughs> You know what the fuck I mean. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, dear person in the future trying to be mad at me. Very inspired by Burson, very inspired by Bathory, very inspired uh, later on by things like Il Jarn, um, Yeah. Uh, to do the one man thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not going to lie, like, it, in the early, you know, mid 2000s, 2010, 2011, like, that was kind of a cool thing to do. Yeah, yeah, It was yeah. a very 
hip proposition to be a one-man solo Corthon type guy. And I saw that, and I saw that it became cool, and I saw that it became a thing, and I saw that it was absolutely like everyone was doing it. And you're like, I'm fed up with bands. Why not do this? Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, this is even past that. Like, I was just fed up with bands, and I was like, I can find you this on my own. If you listen to, like, my most recent release and you listen to, like, my first release, it's a million miles apart. But, as and as, as it should be. Um, but th- that whole explosion of one-man black metal, um, and again, you talked about, I wouldn't have to cover it because you covered it so well in the right. review, the whole, like, me consciously not calling it black metal, consciously calling it purple metal, out of, like, respect, Respect for Celtic Frost and respect for Hellhammer and respect for Bathory. How dare I bring my, like, Earth Crisis bullshit into your sacred arena? You know what I mean? Into into your temple. Like, that's the kind of music fan that I am, is, like, a genuine, like, appreciator of the art. And so, by me... Yeah, you want it to be what it is. Yeah, and, like, of course... Was I being a sassy bitch by calling it purple metal? Yes. Yeah, I exactly. totally think I'm not sure I originally got it back in yeah, 2012. Because yeah. I am yeah. a sassy little bitch. Yeah. And so, but also, like, I didn't, and but I'm not Anteus, cut your flesh and worship Satan. I'm not. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So it felt because the punk part of me felt that to do that would be so disingenuous. And seeing these fucking bullshit kids corpse painting in the forest doing this black metal cosplay thing when they're not that like you're not yeah a vampire yeah you're not whatever nobody knows anything about the LLM guys you know and that's perfect because you don't maybe they are vampires i don't know they're definitely dorks as they should be yeah as they should yeah. be like you'd for be a, sure you'd you, be, know? you know yeah the whole yeah the whole point is uh being, being a dork and carrying it to its uh, yeah. making making everyone uh, wiping the smile off everyone else's face right, right? Yeah. You know? sure and that's why hi you're not smirking now Dungeons and Dragons is the law of the land yeah yeah, yeah. and that's why we love that yeah stuff. yeah yeah Vern of Pure Commando especially in my yeah, yeah. in my heart is, mm-hmm. is the number one thing on out of that crew mm-hmm. but um I'm not that dude and so that was what pushed me to start putting myself on the covers of the albums Mm -hmm. to not having paintings or abstractions or a high res black and white photo thing because it just felt embarrassing. So like, again, I don't want to give away too much of of my whatever, but uh, uh, a a friend of a friend. Well, no, Fenris is a friend of a friend. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. One of my very best friends is very best friends with Fenris. It's it's weird. Cool. So there's cool. we've had some connections there. There's some things I'll tell you off air. Yeah, that's cool. But um, and again, I don't know if this is public domain. And if it is, Fen Fen, get mad at me, Gilva. I'm sorry. But I think like recently, they lost. He lost the Transylvanian hunger picture, or he's trying to. He's in the process of trying to find uh-huh. it or whatever. But like um, and again, this may be some inside baseball shit. So sorry if, if I'm giving away a secret, but. His dad took the picture. So, like, just as memorabilia, or well, his I mean, he yeah, somebody had to take the picture. Oh, took the photo. Yeah, took yeah. The, his dad, his took, dad the photo. took the photo. Yeah, of like his son painted up, 
holding a candelabra. Well, a whatever. lot of the parents were pretty supportive of that scene. Yeah. I remember I, hearing that, like, Euronymous' I, parents, like, read Nietzsche with them. Yeah, and so, like, yeah. again, I don't know if that's, like, out of pocket mm-hmm. or if should be repeating that story. Mm-hmm. So maybe if you're listening, don't repeat that story. But because um, I know Fenris' father passed away and hit him pretty hard. So, you know, I'm sure that there's an element of, of him being wanting to find that photo. But, like, to me, it's like, yeah, I didn't want to be that guy that had his mom taking a photo of him withholding the invisible oranges and course, because it's disingenuous, not who I am. It would, grown-ass well, man, the, too. So, let's, so I, so, you know, in some way, I know your discography backwards, right? Like, sure. I'm, I'm sure I clicked on some shit back in the day, but I, yeah. the, the point I started to really become aware of it was probably 2017, 18. I got okay. an idea of, like, that's when I was like, oh, this guy really listens to black metal, you know, as I said. Yeah, that was a huge yeah. compliment in the review, by uh, thanks, the way. Man. Thank you. It's, um, yeah, so that's when, that's when it sort of, like, started paying more attention. I, also, I was, like, on Bandcamp a lot then, yeah. right? And sure, so, sure. you know, you find your way to it and you follow it and... Um, but like back how, so I don't know your old shit. How has the sound changed? Well, like I'm guessing that even back then it would not have been plausible to present a corpse painted picture of you. No. And it was totally, it was, it's, it was like, did it always have that kind of the sort of, uh, more emo cording? No, it was much more lo-fi. Okay. Much more harsh. Uh, everything was like real coded in reverb and distant and crunchy. And then the way that I decided to break from that mm-hmm. it was to be like okay and i failed for many years at getting better at recording i get better and better and clearer sounds or whatever but i was like okay if everybody wants to be obscured by fog and haze and whatever maybe i step into the light yeah. maybe that's the way that you become subversive is you write a hook you write a catchy part. Like, I remember when I put out Stars Will Fall, which was probably 2012 or 13 mm-hmm. or whatever. And I was like, it's like, it's like a fist pumping, like rock riff, you mm-hmm. know? And it was like, yeah. And they were those fist pumping rock riffs in black metal. Exactly. But they're, they're the things people forget but, about. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's the fucking like throw, there's the fucking windmill breakdown on like numbers of songs on Demisiris. Right. Totally. You know? Totally. Right. And, there's like two step hardcore parts on that record. Yeah, no, that's and yeah, like, it's like it's a mosh record. Yeah, totally. Like, and like, yeah, no mosh. No, the only band that never, mosh fun. No Scott Burns. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. The only band that never really did that was like Immortal. If you think about it, Emperor. I was never an Emperor guy because again, I like regressive music, not progressive music. I, I like the but Emperor never really. Did, or uh, excuse me, uh, Immortal never really did that. Emperor, yeah, I, the first black metal record I got, I was, was a lucky find, was a or CD I got was uh, the Horde and Land split. So okay. I got, I got like right at exactly the right time. I got like I, I sounds did, like, like Discharge, but about um, Miltonian Satan. Yeah, and, I, you know, I did Wrath of the Tyrant. Exactly, that shit is sick. I mean, and that that actually does have mosh parts. Night of the Graveless Souls in particular. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, so, but, but but yeah, so I, 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 stuff I, think can go back I think your point that Immortal is extru- also dissection, right? You know, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Like those are bands that are clearly conceived themselves always as metal bands. And dissection, I think the le- just the level is it note fight? Yeah, note Pro- fight. that just, sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Again, we were talking earlier about we neither of us know how to pronounce any of the things that we like. No. Um, <laughs> is it a kitsa? A kitsa? We don't know. <laughs> is it drutka? Is it drudk? 
Is yeah. it, do you say the H? We don't know. Um, so, like, I think no fight was obviously a genius. No one's going to debate me on that. Yeah. Uh, no. So, I, just a super talented guy. So, yeah. I think his vision was spot on from the beginning. And it's funny also to see uh, Rain Chaos get the Smashing Pumpkins adore treatment, which, which was to say, maligned in its day, 10 years pass, you know, Pitchfork and other media publications go back to adore by Smashing Pumpkins. And they're, like, they're like, oh, it's his pseudo Peter Murphy record. Like this, uh, this actually was ahead of its time and we didn't like it then, but mm, we like it now and he mm. was ahead of his time. And I think Billy blew a lot of goodwill by like going, see, I told you, mm-hmm. as opposed to being like, yeah, thanks everyone. Like, thanks for finally digging the record. And I think I saw that. That, that is a natural. Yeah. I saw him with rain. Wait, do you think it has been rehabilitated? Because we talk about that on the show sometimes. Yeah, you mentioned it a couple times, and I, I, I almost was like, "Where do I call in? You know, where's the, where's the hotline?" That's the next step. So tell Absolutely. us who, who's been speaking well of Rain Chaos? Because I mean, it was it's been a few years ago, but I, I think that like I've seen, I have seen it. You know, I, can I? Will I name names? No, because I'm not a snitch. But uh, <laughs> I don't tell. I give names on people. But I think that, yeah, time has been kind to that record. It was hated when it came out. But now you have people that fuck with Rain Chaos. But I think the people that I'm speaking very low now, because I don't want to say anything, because a lot of, I think a lot of people that like Rain Chaos are like newer kids. Yeah. Who maybe their introduction to metal was like Slipknot or, or Mudvayne or something like that. And what they're listening to now is hyper melodic black metal that often sounds like heavy metal or pop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and those kids often, they they even go off the deep end, like, they'll even, like, now come up to you and just be like, do you have this, like, Brazilian record? And it's like, no, nobody has that record. <laughs> no, because it doesn't exist. It doesn't <laughs> exist. No. You know, I remember one of my favorite record store stories, I won't go, I, we won't yeah. tell many of those, but a guy, this is what the internet has done to people. And we, we have an amazing store, and hands down the best store in the state, and I feel confident saying that. Um, somebody comes in and goes, um, we have the whole story step right out by genre. Very micro. Yeah. Like punk and hardcore. We've got metal, uh, rock, jazz, blues, electronic, kraut rock. Damn. Electronic, uh, industrial, post-punk, R&B. I said, did I say jazz? Jazz. Uh, a ne- uh, not neo-folk. <laughs> um, folk section. Um, bluegrass. It's, we, the point is, you find the vein, you tap into that vein, you know? Do you want to tell so, people the name of the store? It's Vertigo Music. Grand, Grand Rapids. Rapids. Yeah. Yes. Pull up. Yeah. Um, I'm not afraid to fight any of you. Um, and if you win, I'll give you a dollar off each record. <laughs> you won't win, but I'll still give you a dollar off each record. That's just use discount code Terminus at the register and just just oh, just yeah. say discount code Terminus and I, we'll take care of you. Oh course. yeah. But um where the fuck was I going with this? But uh, the kids, the, the kids, the kids. Are in this, somebody comes in and goes, where's your French chill wave? And I, I Dude, wait, that's real. Yeah, somebody actually asked French yeah, chill a, wave. I think it's like a Tumblr thing, like from 2012 or something. No, chill wave. I remember, but I didn't know that there were, yeah, I didn't know we got to a, re- it existed only on the internet. How are there regional variants? Yeah. He wanted to know where our French chill wave section was. At which point I go, uh, we don't have one. Well, and he just, about faces and walks out the store. We've got 20,000 new records in stock and CDs, yeah. mostly LPs, like 80% yeah. LPs. And it's like, 
So my, my coworker looked at me and was like, we, there's nothing we can do to that one. That's a lost soul. Like, you if you walk like, into you a store like, and you can't find something, you have a problem. But it's like, just walked in, French chill wave, nah, walked right out. Dude, French chill wave section, oh yeah, you go out of this door, you walk around behind the building, and yeah. it's back in the dumpster. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, it's like, I started, I can contemplate giving him directions that were like Beowulf-esque. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah, like, yeah. Here's what you must do to find the French chill wave section. <laughs> Which they probably would have loved, but... Oh, I, I don't know. But if he likes French Chill Whip, I don't know if he can hang with uh, Beowulf. It's a yeah, yeah. There's that Beowulf del Grip and Grendel. Oh yeah, there's that whole part where he's got to like, it's like basically a video game. He's got to make his way along a ledge over a lake filled with water monsters right. in order to get to yeah. the part of the lake where he needs to dive in and fight Grendel's mom. Right. Yeah. That yeah was, that's that's some real shit. That was really what was going on in my head. Is I was like, do I tell this fool? Give some Beowulf instructions to get to the French yeah. section, but. Uh, yeah, I think Grand Chaos has, has been reevaluated well, but what was what was next on deck? We're talking about oh, I don't know. Yeah, we were. So I think you know we've we've covered sort of like uh, varieties of black metal that people yeah, would yeah, normally yeah. associate with your stuff. We've talked sure. about purple metal. Okay, you know. Um, well, we've you know you've touched some on the trajectory of the band. What about building colloquial sound? Because is that almost enti- Is that all your own projects? Mostly, the, it's the mostly the vast majority. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'll put it to you this way: if uh, if I didn't do it, I've got my grubby little hands all over it. Yeah, yeah. in one way or the other. Um, usually in art or design, mm-hmm. or but here's the deal too: it's, it's oh yeah, the aesthetic is very consistent. Yeah, because it's all me. It's, yeah, because it's all me. Um, because here's the thing: is like, like uh, what was I going to say? Here's like I'm trying to think of like an example. I mean, I guess yeah. I mean. Your listeners are smart. They can think of their own example. But, like, when you buy something from me, it's it, it's not only, like, I like doing mail order. It's not only pulled off the shelf, packed, I write a little thank you note a lot of times, and sent out to me. Like, not only is, like, that the DIY part of it, like, I wrote it, I recorded it, I designed it. Because I got into the shit in 2008 or nine before that was like before tapes were a thing i got all of this high-end super nice tape duplication equipment for a song uh. i do all the tapes myself do all the artwork do all the layouts i print them myself get them laser cut by like a local shop that was like you want to do what what's a j card and then there was one guy in the back who was like i know what a j card is <laughs> and i was like okay cool can you help me build a template? And he was like, for what? And I was like, for a J card. He was like, oh, I, I'm i thinking about J. I was thinking about J cards, meaning like the inserts for cassettes. And I was like, yes. And he was like, can you run that by me one more time? When, you know? when was this roughly? You know, 2010. Yeah, you yeah, know? for sure. It's right, right you know? when it was. Yeah. yeah. You know, 2010. And, you know, I'd still been buying tapes and stuff before then, like grindcore shit and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just like when I started doing it, putting it out, you know, yeah. it was like people were just like, what? For sure. Now, now little children look at CDs and they go, what is this? That's a this. child will recognize a vinyl LP before they recognize the a CD. The CD is, you know, the CD got got because it was liminal. It was like transitioning, yeah. you right. know, between. But it'll, it's coming back, too, because 
tapes the, in the, the Hessian firm guys swear by the CD. Yeah. Like that be, I think it's mostly because it's like this is what death metal came out on back in the day. For sure. I think some of them insist that it has better sound quality, but I, in many I, ways I, it is a superior format. You think? Truly. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I mean, if you have a a, a vinyl uh that's a vinyl. Who says a vinyl? If you have a record, I was going to say if you have, if you have a system to play vinyl that is tuned proper with the correct stylus, you have your anti skating, yeah. everything fit up right, so you're not creating all this extra surface noise. Yes, vinyl. No, no, you'd say record. No, I'm saying Hessian for a Prince CD does That's CDs. What, what I'm saying is like, yeah, but your average run of the mill oh, CD. Oh, your average run of the mill CD is, is better than your average run. Better than the yeah. shitty equipment you're playing your vinyl, especially oh. playing it on a Crosley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or whatever else. So you have to have a nice system yeah. to get the record to sound good. They're also, the systems are incredibly finicky. I've had a, a proper record set up for, I mean, you know, then you have to go and buy a fucking player. But it's like, you know, um, uh, I respect people who are hard copy only people. There are definitely people who follow the show who are hard copy only people. Yeah, there's, I a, there's a whole tier of labels that are like that. But it's like, you know, in terms of just like, I'm terribly organized. Do I? I never buy myself things. And right. so, you know, it's like, I have a record player. I had a record player for my dad. It broke. Right. You know, so I, I had a nice period of my life where I could listen to records. And then at the end, the record player starts getting weird and it gets this nice hum in it. Right. When you listen to techno, that sounds good. But nothing right. Yeah. yeah, totally. <laughs> so, but, but yeah, you know, it's like, so like, I sometimes have a tape set up. Yeah. Some, but yeah, records. Well, like, yeah. But to, to answer your question, building label, like, yeah. it's, it's me, like, it's, it's awesome because I can do whatever I want to do. I can do it how often, however often I want to do it. Um, I'm not beholden to anyone else. I'm not beholden to anyone else's scheduling. Um, I don't have to play ball by that. Uh, would, again, the further on I move in my quote-unquote career, maybe, maybe it would be nice to be on another label at some point. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm open to that. Yeah. Nobody yeah. has anything good to say about it, but I'm different, right? That's what everybody else says. <laughs> My label actually likes me. They're not going to fuck me over. Yeah. Well, but, and again, I have, I have a couple friends who are like in the actual music industry, not the music industry that we're in. No yeah. disrespect. If you're, no, I, I know it's band. awesome if you're in a band that's playing Hellfest yeah, and yeah. you have a bunch of screaming metalheads at you, but you still have to go home and like, I don't know, manage an Amazon warehouse or whatever. Like, that's okay. I have no problem. That's in fact an honorable thing to do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I mean, actual music industry people that I have, because I used to work in the music industry, the yeah, real, the real like with pop, pop people. Correct. Yeah. yeah. They look at my metrics and they look at everything, they see what I'm doing. First of all, they're all blown away that like anything is like DIY. To them, they have artists who have to be like quite literally physically escorted, like from like the hotel room to like sound check because they're just space cadets. Not because they're like, not because they're Gigi Allen, but just because they're just like, oh, yeah, like I make music, like blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah. well, how do I like, what do you mean sound check? Like, or it's like, well, how do I play my music live? Like, this is, <laughs> and they just don't know how to do it because they've done it. Because they've been, they're, they're brought into the system from a very early age. Totally. Or yeah. they just, or they make a thing on Fruity Loops and it blows yeah. up. And then they're like, now all of a sudden, they have a deal from Interscope. And they're just like, yeah. oh, and then like I'm in a studio for the first time. And you're like, yeah, Billy Eilish records in your bedroom. Yeah, do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, so uh, th- the people that I know they're in the music industry. They they look at what I'm doing and they're just like they say over and over again. They're like, you don't need a record label. You need a man. They said you don't need a record label. You need a booking agent. The guy was like, you put out your own. He's like, I saw this guy. He goes, let me get this straight. You record your own music, design it, you press the records. You sell the records. 
what the fuck do you need someone else for? I was like, well, you know, it might be cool. You know, it's nice to always have nice to have a cosign from somebody else. Yeah, yeah. Whatever else. Bigger reach. Yeah, bigger reach or whatever. And he was just like, you need a booking agent. It's like, you don't need, you don't need a label. Well, and, and I think he's probably got some truth there. So, yeah, maybe Terminus people. Yeah. I can get a booking agent. <laughs> yeah. All right. So he needs. And so, but that, that would come along with the band. Right? Yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, the. I mean, this is something that I think, I imagine a lot of people listening know this, but like, I definitely did not know for a long time that in terms of the practical end of the music industry, like playing shows is, I mean, it was always where the money was to some degree, yeah, but it's completely sure. where the money is now. And especially yeah. for DIY stuff, it's totally, like, and, I and, can, and it's how you get people to know about your band. The sure. internet's great, but yeah. if you want any like, but there's, there's a thousand new bands every day. And yeah. I don't think that's, a, I mean, that may be a soft number. Yeah. 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 My yeah. mom once looked at me and my mom once told me like, there are too many bands. And right. at the time, I was like, oh, mom. She said it like earnestly. Yeah, like, and, you know, oh, mom, you're just nostalgic for when everyone liked the Beatles. Right. And, you know, she's just probably giving me shit about the music I like. Fair enough, mom. Um, yeah. But, um, but, like, looking back, I'm like, I often think, you know, she was right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, and the other thing, too, about these bands and stuff like that, like, how many bands pop up every day that do one, two, maybe three demos they put out one record and it's like that's the thing about bands too and like building the label and having csr be a thing obviously it's colloquial sound recordings it is obviously a joke yeah i can tell. but you don't because i was like what's the most pretentious name for a label colloquial sound recordings <laughs> but then it just kind of then instantly i kind of started putting stuff out and i put out earnest music and the music isn't a joke um there's humorous elements to the music, which I think you tapped on. Yeah. Like, that's the thing too is like a lot of people don't get about APL. They're they're kind of confused. Yeah, because most metal is sexless and humorless yeah. and whatever. They don't get that like you're supposed to be smiling and laughing. Yeah. It's not. They might be giants. It's not sure. goofy, like clever for the. But it, there is a sense of dark humor to everything. Yeah. It's like the Smiths. Right. And, you know, you can, you take it to some, you know, you can take it to a more earthy place than the Smiths. For sure. But, like, you know, it's a different vibe, right? But it's, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's a similar idea. Yeah, so there's that whole element of, uh, I mean, I'm getting off track here, but, but, yeah, it's just, uh, oh, your listeners are going to go nuts. They're like, you were talking about this, and now you got off about something else. I I think this is probably what they want. Yeah, okay, fair enough. But, yeah, so it's, it's just one of those things, like, the label, came in at a time oh we're talking about sales and stuff like that label yeah, came in at yeah, a time yeah sales label versus live yeah versus, label versus yeah, live yeah, the, yeah, the, the label came in at a time when it was super cool super hot i didn't have to play live so mm. the opportunity came up or whatever or even like other people were interested or other labels were interested or poking around i you know was like no this is fine like, i'm doing this on my own like i'm selling three or four hundred tapes of each one and it's like crazy numbers of tapes i don't sell that many lps now People don't press that many tapes. Hell no. I don't sell that many LPs now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that's supposed to be the dominant king take my band seriously format as an LP. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, like a Dress and Streams record that I released. Like, yeah, it's yeah. a fucking beautiful thing on the planet. It is a beautiful record. I, um, I own it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, I, and I try to make all the records like this where you open them up and you're like, oh, this is beautiful. Maybe the music sucks dick on it, but you're like, it's well done. It's beautiful. You know. 
So in terms of like sales and trajectory, so like yeah. why is APL less big now? Why is it selling less now than it used to be? Because uh, I have no idea if the band's, I mean, I obviously there was this moment. Shall the, I get another beer for this? For sure. The press had its moment around fucking, uh, you know, uh, American black metal, one man black metal, black metal that surprisingly sounded pretty, whatever, right. you know, it's a, uh, sure. Um, and so th there was that moment for it. So that I get that there was maybe a period where it was bigger or something. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah. And again, this is something I've been trying to be a little more candid about recently. Okay, for sure. Because it's like, uh, yeah, it's cool. And, and uh, <clears throat> like, did your day in the sun? I wonder oftentimes, like, did uh, did your day come and go? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, did your, uh, <clears throat> as we're sitting here, like, both using... You using a lighter, me using a, a knife to open beer. Yeah, this is primitive. <clears throat> yeah, I think here's the deal. It's like I said earlier. I say this to myself to like, so I don't have like a nervous breakdown. But like, people get on the train, people get off the train. You know, there are a lot of people who have been listening for ten plus years. There's a lot of people who don't listen anymore. Yeah, there's a lot of people who come on new all the time, and the catalog is so big, ninety some releases on the label. However many APL, quite a few. Not I'm not Marky Smith in the fall. I'm not uh, Robert Pollard and Guided by Voices. But I've got a lot of songs out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot. And uh, so I think people get on the train, people get off the train. Um, the music, I think it's grown exponentially in quality. And it's better than it's ever been. Um, one cool thing that, that popped up when you said, I don't know what old APL sounds like. Um... Years ago, somebody said on like a message board that reminded them of Earthoust, like early Earthoust. Oh, earlier Earthoust, I think jumped the shark hard, but their early shit was cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, and so I had never heard Earthoust in 2011. I had not. They used to be a they were used to be a cult name drop, and they were such a cult name drop on like Blogspot. Right. And exactly. Shit, that that's where they happened. Yeah. yeah. Totally. And then that it ended up with. Um, me checking out Earthoust, digging Earthoust, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, um, Jim from Earthoust reaching out like, hey, I heard your band. You guys are pretty cool. So now we trade. Yeah. Whenever I've got a new release or I've got something new coming out, yeah. I send a Jim, and then Jim will send me the new Earthoust stuff. It's awesome. Yeah. So uh, I, I love that band. I think they're super cool. I think Earthoust and APL have a similar trajectory of like, you know, whether you're a fan of what they're doing now or yeah, not, yeah, yeah. they are doing whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. They are not tapped into what people are interested in. As demonstrated by the fact that the last two records don't have guitar on I don't think I've heard anything by them for five years. Yeah, the thing I heard five years ago sounded more like normal melodic black metal. Sure. And I, wanted, that I wanted the drunk wizard hurdy-gurdy shit. Right. You know? and, and, yeah. and again, like... Yeah. I think they might be going back to that, maybe. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't say too much. But, but um, also, if it's all electronic, that almost in some ways is closer. Dude, because they know? don't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. do not give a fuck. Like, they don't care. They just want to make new shit that they think is cool. Yeah. You know? And they just released a gin. Tufelgeist, their own, like, gin. It sells out instantly. It rules. Is it actually... Is, is it good? Because a lot of bands do these things and it's like, oh, God. I mean, the gin, how's the gin? I don't know. It's gin's fine. <laughs> it's, it's gin. I like I like gin. Gin is probably my favorite liquor. I don't know. It's oh, gin. that makes sense. You would be a gin guy. Yeah. yeah. Gin and tonic. There's gin. been a lot of APL songs about drinking gin and tonic. Gin is gin is the le sort of the um, 
feel like it's the curveball of liquors. Yeah, I like whiskey too. Yeah, there are a lot of cool girls who like gin, right? Yeah, it's been my experience. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, so, it's a refreshing summer drink. Like yeah. a gin, a gin and tonic is like on a hot summer day, man. That's should Agreed. we get? Should we go get a gin and tonic after this? Hell yeah, bro. Let's do that. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, there's yeah, certainly certainly those can be found. So we were doing like like okay, so um, but yeah, yeah. Sorry, not to finish that, but yeah, like people get on the train, people get off the train. My point is, I've been doing this for ten years. I swear to God, I'm going to do it for another 10 years. And then after that 10 years, I'm going to do it for another 10 years. Hell yeah. And then after that 10 years, I will most likely die. I feel I feel like I got maybe, ooh, I don't know. Because my dad died at 62. Mm. And I had significantly worse habits than he did. And I've abused my body far worse than he ever did. So uh, if, he's, if I die, if I make it to as far as my dad did at 62... I am past middle age, my dude. So, like, there's an element of me, like, going and releasing so much stuff and putting out music because it's, like, I spent my 20s at, in these bands, like, with other people saying, like, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, and then they never did it. We're going to put this out, we're going to put this out, and they never did it. We're going to tour, we're going to go this, we're going to do this, and they mm. never did it. And, as, and then you wake up an old fucking man. Yeah. So I'm just that's... like, yo, I don't give a fuck. I will hang out. And I'm interested in, like, youth culture. I'm interested in young kids. That sounds bad. <laughs> Do not take that out of context with the I like birds. Not not in the Miko Aspa way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. not like Damien Master. It's, I like little kids. It's, I like it's birds. The, it's the inner child. Yeah, yeah no, okay. but I fuck with youth culture heavily. Yeah. I I want. Oh, is in like you? Yeah. So you, I want to know what young kids are into. Yeah, it's interesting to me. There is totally something like that. You actually, you're still tapped into what's happening in music and culture. Yeah. And Whereas a lot of people check out. 100%. And sometimes it's cool. Like if you're a fucking necro butcher, I swear that guy probably just listens to like. The BC Boy like, CD? <laughs> you ever see that interview? No. Where he says he oh, the only music he listens to is a Beastie Boys CD. God, that's even more galaxy yeah. brain than I thought. Yeah. He, I was going to say like Tenderandy and Venom. No, but, he says uh, he literally only listens to the Beastie Boys. That rules. What a goon. Literally took the word out of my mouth. He's an absolute goon. What <laughs> a fucking goon. Yeah. What's your favorite band? Like a white Jewish rap group from New York? Dude, I a, a couple last summer I heard a dude like rolling into town from the freeway on a motorcycle. Yeah. Just blasting the Beastie Boys. Sick. Yeah, and he didn't. Sick. Like, yeah, yeah, and he, he was a like you know straight leather biker, right? Sick. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. Sick vibe. No, but I'm into like youth culture and like. To the point where um, I'll come in contact with, like, through the store or just, like, at the library or whatever. Like, I'll... Oh, man, this is going to sound so fucking bad. Do not take this out of context either. I'll, like, corner a 16-year-old girl and be like, can I see your, like, Spotify? Can I mm -hmm. see, like, what... And they are all like, what? Like, they're horrified. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not in a weird way, you know, or whatever. Well, you work but, at a record store, it's easy. You know, yeah, you're talking sure. to people all the time. Yeah, but also yeah. I pull up on a girl in library or something like that, or whatever, or just in a... Random sample. Yeah, or just, like, whatever. Like, if they're listening to something, I'll just be like, hey, we're listening to you. Mm -hmm. I promise you, I am not hitting on you, nor am I a creep. I'm genuinely interested in what you're listening to. And they're just like... Because uh, it's like, I, I, to me, like, that's how you stay connected with people. Like, I want to know, like, like, what was that? See, Maggie Linder, Linderman? Linderman? I oh, yeah, like... Heard the name. I yeah, she's a big, like, pop thing, but she's mm -hmm. kind of... It's like, I've been... She's very big. Like, Olivia Rodrigo, obviously, is now the big name with, like, Gen Z kids. Or who, who is that? Uh, I think she's, like, an ex-Disney chick who put out a 
from what everyone says, is like a pretty cool rock record, and she like wrote a lot of it herself, and it's just kind of antagonistic well, breakup. So they're like listening to rock. So they, I figured. So there's some degree of revival of interest in rock music. Hundred percent. Interesting, because I mean, it is funny noticing them starting to dress like I, I just nineties now. Yeah, I can't stand the nineties shit. Like you were saying, like I mean, some you know, like with music, some things are eternally good, and the eternally good things change. The yeah. tradition mutates, but then there is the bad, which is always extrinsic right. to that. And it's like baggy ass jeans, always bad. You know, right. it's like you know, sorry, maybe I'm just a fucking yeah, millennial. That, like, yeah, there's the kids like that's the vibe, that's the style. They would not. I know kids that would not be caught dead in skinny jeans. And you know, I wore baggy jeans, and then at some point, I'm like, this is not the way. Yeah, and like kids just today, like 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 I think about kids coming to the store, and like they would not be caught dead in in skinny jeans. They wear like jinkos and shit, you know. Yeah, no, I literally saw some skate kids wearing, wearing Jinkos the other day. Like, and you know, I mean, to the degree that that's they were clearly deliberately trying to clone skate mag pics from the late nineties. And to that degree, I was like, okay, I get that these guys look cool as it's understood now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But fuck this shit. Sure. In in my high school, there was a crew of skate kids. A lot of them were like the sort of, um, you know, uh, Volcom type thing. But there, there was a crew of kids who wore skin tight jeans and like gbh shirts so like those kids they were younger than me we didn't really hang out but i was like those kids are fucking cool right and how do you even skate with pants like that right yeah yeah totally (laughs) so like i'm interested in in that sort of thing because i don't i don't ever want to be that bitter old they call it like dad core or whatever Mm -hmm. i think i saw some spotify statistic that spotify put out where it was like the great satan spotify um (laughs) I also have issues with every other service. Of course. Like Bandcamp. I was, I was going to finish what you were saying, then I'll ask you um, about Bandcamp. Um, yeah. And, like, everything else. Uh, <clears throat> that, like, 90%, some, some, I'm going to fuck up the numbers. Ooh, pardon sure. the language. I don't know if I've been swearing on this thing or not. but Dude, um, I mean, that's fine. Yeah. I just, you know, I'm a nice boy, you know. But, uh, so, like, 90% of people over the age of 30 no longer like listen to like less than 5% new music. So 90% of the people over the age of 30 listen to, listen to less than 5% of new music. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Like they're yeah. just like, they're the, the music intake that they have is all stuff that they have. Dude, YouTube is yeah, trying yeah. to sell me a millennial mixtape. Right. Totally. Yeah. yeah. It's probably got Eminem on it. Probably. It's probably got like shitty indie rock bands. Papa Roach. I wish. I was never. No, I mean, it was luckily like all that new metal stuff. Like when that stuff came out, I was like super into skate punk. And I was like, this is, I was in middle school and it was just the first time I'd heard things that sounded like that. Yeah. I always thought that song was kind of fucked up because it seemed to be about, you know, it seemed to be a, a little too real. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, especially, especially to a middle school. I respect Slipknot because I, I, uh, I think that they're unlistenable and garbage. Uh, yeah, um, I kind of agree. But I, I, I always hate this freaky clown shit. I read the I've read their Wikipedia article yeah. like several times, mm-hmm. and like that dude like willed that band into being the biggest band in the world. Did he? The clown dude. He yeah. was like, he was like thirty five when that band started. Joey Jordison is that the guy? Uh, or no, no the, that's the, the drummer. Percussionist. Oh yeah, my my the clown. The clown, the percussionist, is the one whose band it is. It's or, his band. Okay. He like was like thirty some years old. He had like teenage children. I I could be fucking the story. Up. I'm not though. And, like, came home and was like, I'm going to start a band and we're going to be the biggest band in the world. That's sick. 
and just willed the fucking thing into existence with nine other people. It's crazy. And Dude. I listen to their music and I'm like, this sucks ass. But I respect the shit out of it. And like, I respect how heavy it is. Like, yeah. that Iowa record was a number one record. That's heavy as fuck. I remember I had a friend in middle school who was a drummer who was crazy in the Slipknot. And sure. I, I think I think I was like, maybe I mean, hate to admit it, maybe some part of me was like, this is too crazy for me. But yeah. I'm not actually not sure I ever, I'm not sure I ever heard it because I think like, or any heard it in a substantial way, because I think I just, the, the you know, Psycho Clown was the dumbest aesthetic in the world. And sure. I just could not vibe with that. You know, I for could, sure. I, I never thought, you know, there was, there was a lot about new metal that I thought was silly even when I listened to it. Sure. But I was just like, I got to roll with this because that's what, right. this is where the loud sounds come from. Right. Yeah, totally, totally, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, what, were your, what was your question? About oh, Bandcamp. We're yeah. going to roll a Bandcamp. So Can I like, ask you, what do you think about Bandcamp? Yeah, so I mean, it's an it's an interesting question. I think my feeling would be that um, I want to get your perspective before I get like the artist perspective. Yeah, it's like unlike it's it's in this family, right? Of sort of like crowdsourced but centralizing tech things like YouTube, right? They they at the beginning when they start out, they grant seem to be granting individuals a lot of power. Yeah. But there actually has this centralizing effect on everything. There becomes one hub for everything. And, it, you know, it it sort of, it starts to maybe create more um, more cohesion than is healthy for the development of, of various genres. Sure. You know, like it was, you know, maybe it was stupid that the Norwegians and Swedes hated each other in the mid-90s, but it was productive. Right. Um, yeah. You know, that's just one example. But like, so it can have this, you know, to some degree, it has this centralizing effect on the music. Most of the people who are most susceptible to that aren't the people who matter. You know, the yeah. people checking Bandcamp, Homepage, Metal, whatever, right? But sure. like, but like... Would I like to be on there? Sure. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Again, occasionally good bands are on there. And I think it's partly a function of just what does well, right? Yeah. Uh, it's, partly, it's... it's partly curated, clearly. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know that dude Brad, yeah. uh, he, he does a lot of that stuff. I think at one point I reached out to him years ago. He might have been working for Sacred Bones, and I think he was like, this is ass. And then a friend of a friend was like, yeah, I know what he listens to, and you are barking up the wrong tree with him. I was like, yeah. Which is fair. Yeah. Like, he's got his thing that he likes, yeah. and it's not APL. So. Yeah, so like the – so Bandcamp, it has a centralizing effect. Um, it's unlike most of those other things. It's remarkably well built. Yeah. I think, I think it's a very – like it's very efficient and effective app. I've used it as a tool, you I'm know, so like good. I started following, you know, I, I started following shit all the time. Somewhat sort of, I think subconsciously preparing to do terminus, but like I yeah. just follow thousands of, you know, even if something looks stupid, I'll often follow it. Right. Sure. Um, and so there's, it has this incredible functionality. On the other hand, if that's all you're tuned into, you miss the hard copy only underground. Yeah. You miss bands that are just, you know, doing their own thing off and wherever. Yeah, message you, board core. Yeah, you can find some very obscure things. There are some kinds of certain obscure things you can find on Bandcamp, and it's great, right? Yeah. Um, uh, you know. It's ubiquitous at this point. Everyone, no yeah. one exists without one anymore. Yeah, I mean, like. Damn near. Bandcamp, so, like, it's it's good in that sense. Um, I do try, I do, like, um. Doing the show, I sort of, we use it, and then you have to sort of consciously remind yourself, am I doing too much Bandcamp shit right now? Um, yeah, and, you know, Bandcamp... It's, it's become an it's become a adjective. 
yeah, like, am I, am I like pulling too much from this? Should I be digging harder? Right. For this, you know, this month, how much have we done for that? Right. Um, and so that about it is, um, has had somewhat a negative effect. I mean, also like, uh, Bandcamp, I miss my Graveland album and you stole it from me. I also miss my Crota album and you stole it from me. Um, I, you know, was it taken down? They like they used to do something kind of. I mean, none of the censorship is respectable, but they used to do some kind of respectable thing, which is basically like we took it. We think it's bad. We took it down. However, you can still access it. Anyone who's okay. already bought it can access it. Now they're just deleting stuff. I mean, that seems fair. I mean, I yeah. Know. Yeah, no, now they're... It's also their website. I'm saying, I'm saying now they're just clean deleting things you've yeah. already paid for. Sure, and I, I get yeah. that, and it's like, yeah. yeah, I mean, that sucks, but also at the same time, yeah, you know, it's their website. They can do whatever the fuck they want with it. I mean, it sucks. Yeah. No, oh, oh, agreed, it sucks. There's no point complaining to them about yeah, it. Yeah, right. Yeah. They can do whatever they want. Yeah. Um, that's why they offered you the hard download or whatever, you know? It's, yeah, exactly. It's, it's like, whatever. But um, mm-hmm. my thoughts on Bandcamp were like... I feel like Lars from Metallica sometimes in the way that he, I've never done this. And it's like, I don't, it's like, I don't want to speak bad about Bandcamp. Because I literally, I love Bandcamp. It's been awesome. I discover music so, on Bandcamp all the time. So it has helped. It's been good for business for Colloquial. Yeah, yeah. totally. Okay. Um, one thing I keep telling people on social media is I go, sign up for the email list because social media is not forever. Tell people on, band, on Instagram, on Twitter, mm-hmm. whatever, um, which is at Damien Master, D-A-M-I-A-N-M-A-S-T-E-R. Follow those things if you're interested in that to keep up with me. Um, yeah, yeah, it's like once you see, once you've heard this, it's not a plug for clout. Just if you want to tune in, that's where I am. <laughs> um, so like things like Bandcamp, they're not eternal. Things like um twitter they're not eternal things like instagram are not eternal what is eternal is like an email list a newsletter because i've been getting newsletters for 30 years for bands do you know what i'm saying yeah yeah no we and we yeah we try to be on lists for things yeah Yeah, and so it's like that and then that newsletter will point you to the spot du jour you know whether today it's band camp that's true yeah yeah, yeah, big cartel or whatever you know and um but that will be the best spot to find information Bandcamp, Bandcamp's cool. I dig it. I have nothing bad. I was gonna do that thing where I go. I have nothing bad to say about it. And then you, then say you think bad about it. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't have the problem with it. And say the problem. Um, I think that like the pr- so the, the way that their their pricing is, it's really. It's I don't I would never call it disingenuous, but they've done a really 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 good job at their marketing and telling everyone like. We give to the artists. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. get all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. You're supporting the best way possible from people. Yeah. And yes, that is true. Because compared to the payouts from streaming, which are abysmal, yeah, yeah, yeah. I make an okay amount purely because I have a ton of catalog. Yeah. yeah so it's yeah. like, oh. Yeah, that's that's what hey, they call passive income. Yeah. That's like, yeah. already out there. And, yeah, it's like, yeah. well, here's the deal. It's like if, if you're a kid and you decide you like Axumite, Guess what? There's 200 accent by songs you listen to. You know what I mean? It's yeah, not yeah, like yeah. it's not like you discover a band and you know, like woe to the doom metal bands of the world. Like, what does mournful congregations pay out like? You know? Yeah. Because if you don't, because you don't, <laughs> who's streaming an entire mournful congregation song? Because you get to the last three minutes when it's just like that. 
and then, and then they skip to the next thing. But guess what? That doesn't count as a full stream. Okay, but so you do okay on streaming because of the size that you've got a lot of short songs out there. Sort of, yeah, yeah kind of. But and normally, just, normally we all agree streaming sucks ass. So like, yeah. Bandcamp, Bandcamp is better than that. It but. is better than that. But so they have this like complicated revenue share stream, and the thing that I dislike about it is that your physical sales count against your revenue share stream. You have to hit this certain revenue dollar, and then once that kicks in. No matter what, PayPal gets their cut. That's fine. You got to pay the piper. I'm not mad at PayPal. Or, or Bandcamp. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, but no, you Bandcamp, also have to pay Bandcamp out separately gets, to PayPal. Correct. Correct. PayPal oh, gets a cut no matter oh. what. PayPal gets a cut no matter what. They're like 12% off rip. But that's fine. Right. Nothing sh- like, yo, I'm not one of those people that thinks everything should be free. Sure. PayPal is a fucking service we all use and yeah, trust yeah. and love. Yeah. If you got a problem with that, increase your price 12%. Mm-hmm. Like, I know I sound like a capitalist pig. I am not. But I'm a realist, and it's like, I get it. Like, if you want to be a part yeah. of this e-commerce no, of thing, like, like, PayPal's I mean, the thing yeah, you got to use. PayPal does that. If you want to do, if you're on the business end of it, you have to pay for it. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. And that's fine. I they're, They have a lot of money, but they're entitled to it. What they do with it, that's up to them. So you got the PayPal tithe, and then Bandcamp. Yes. Someone on Instagram was telling me about this the other day, but yeah, I didn't totally know what he meant um, about, like, he said something like, it seems like there's, you get punished for selling physical or something. So explain, Correct. So, Correct. Explain so you sell yeah. physical stuff and basically what that does is that, that builds up a certain number and you have to hit like, once they, they count 20% of that towards your, of your overall revenue stream. It's super complicated. I've read the thing like a dozen times. I sent it to like people who have graduate degrees and they're like, this is kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, the reason that it breaks my heart is because they'll have this like so basically you get punished for selling physical stuff so it's like after you sell a certain amount of physical it starts counting against you or before you sell a certain amount the whole time it counts against you until you hit this certain mark it's almost like your your payment doesn't come in until you hit this mark of the of this total dollar oh, i get it they're in. not giving you some amount of digital until you've sold x amount of physical no that's not it either. oh yeah they, oh, okay uh, well, I, I, they give you well, but here's the deal: is that every once in a while, well, because because of the way their payout systems work, somebody could probably chime in the comments and be like, "Wow, for a guy who's used the service for ten years, you, you don't know shit about it." But yeah. um, basically, like, you have to based on your sales, which is either ten percent or fifteen percent or whatever, you have to hit this like shared revenue thing, and then once you do that, then if somebody buys a record for nine ninety nine, a digital record for nine ninety nine. Less the PayPal fee, which is you know twelve percent or roughly eight percent, I think, you're gonna get eight dollars of that. That is wild. Bandcamp pays out wild money. Like that's awesome. That's super cool. But here's the thing: is that like there needs to be a sort of democratization of the process and the payout structure to where it's like I would much rather be like we here at Bandcamp because here's the other thing about Bandcamp: I pay them ten dollars a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can have the free one, you can have the, the pro one, the $10 a month to give yeah. you a bunch of... Well, you got a big operation. Yeah, yeah, you got a feature. So it's like, no matter what, I'm paying them $10 a month. And also, uh, sorry about that. That's all good. Threw a bottle cap at you. Um, but also, I am 100% okay with paying Bandcamp $10 a month because they're providing me a service. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Um, but, like, it'll break my heart because, like, somebody will do, like, a pay-what-you-want thing 
like it happened the other day like somebody was like man I love this record like I'm gonna throw you 20 bucks for I licked it now it's mine mm -hmm. Bandcamp beats all 20 of it oh you know? but then but then it all evens out right because your next your future purchases you'll get a bigger percentage of those because that 20 was eaten up on that but it's like Oh, I see. Imagine, there's, a fixed, there's a fixed amount they're going to take from anything before you start making I wish off. that was the case. It's super confusing. Oh, geez. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, if they were just like, here at Bandcamp, we're going to take 10% of every sale, no matter what. I would be like, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can handle that. But like, it breaks my heart because they they do this this song and dance where they want to like, tell people. And again, like, maybe I'm shooting myself in the foot and maybe Bandcamp will hear this and be like, fuck this guy. But like, um... They hated Lars from Metallica too, and guess what? He was right. You know, <laughs> when he went after Napster, you know. So here's another old man angle then. Like, um, do you find I imagine that it does. It just breaks my heart. Just just I want to finish that thought. I don't want to. Oh, oh for sure. I'm, I I'm so right. sorry. No, that no. sounds so aggressive. It just breaks my heart because somebody paid twenty dollars under the guise that yeah. I was going to get yes. less PayPal fees, less a band camp yes. fee, a majority of that twenty dollars. And instead it, it because I had sold a bunch of other previous stuff and I had built up that revenue cap that I had to hit. It's just like, and I get it. And if the band can't be listening, they're going to go, yeah, but listen, when your next sales happen, whenever that is, if people give a shit about your band, then you'll get that money back and it all evens out and it's all roughly 10% no matter what. And I'm yeah. just like, but can't we just make it a flat thing? And then part of me is like, so I'm such a stupid person that I don't understand. I'm like, why don't we make this simple? And then like, also if it's, if you're doing it this way, I also feel like I'm being cheated somehow because why would you not just do a flat rate per transaction? Uh, yeah, that's I don't, true. Is that me being super like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, you know, just super I, like. Idealistic. Not idealistic. Is that me being like, uh, what's it called when you're like, just like cautious of everyone or whatever. Oh, yeah. 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 Paranoid, paranoid, just, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, like yeah, what they're yeah, what they're do, what they would say they're doing. Like they're doing is, it for a reason. They're optim, yeah, they're, exactly. And so it's they, optimizing their profit. They would say they're optimizing profit, but it's like yeah, if you were as altruistic as you said you were, you would be like the record label that's like, let's handshake on this, bro. Yeah, you know, you you try to do the best places do stand up business even when it's impractical. Yeah, like touching. You don't have records. to be deaf like silence. You don't have to send everyone your records for free. But, yeah, uh, yeah. It's like touch and go. Like you know, they operated yeah. for all those years. I mean, they had an issue with the bottle servers yeah. only. Okay. Everything else was a handshake deal, you know. Mm -hmm. And I read like a four eight ebook, and Ivo was like, "Any of our bands are free to fuck off at any point, you know." Yeah. Like, don't like don't like how the deal's going. Great, go. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was a handshake. It was all like, like the touch and go thing, and I think like the Discord thing was like. We will put out your record. We will pay for all the shit like that. We get 50%. Once we recoup, so let's say the whole record yeah. costs 20 grand yeah. to put out, we get the first 20 grand. And every dollar after that, we get 50%, you get 50%. That's, and every band was like, we'll take it. Dude, every, you know, like, um, what places I think often don't realize is that, like, committing to a certain degree of quote unquote impracticality out yeah. of some sort of principle pays long term dividends. And Absolutely. the long-term long dividends are not necessarily maximum profit. So if that's your way of doing things, you know, fuck off, right? But, like, um, it's – but there's a way of um, – you know, there's a way – you know, like 4AD, right? Like yeah. 4AD, there's a way of building ethos with your yeah. – building, like, some sort of trust with people who follow your shit. And then, you know, 
there are all sorts of labels and all sorts of bands that make a lot of money for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when that's not the flavor of the week or whatever, right. bam. Right. Right. Like, uh, I'm sure the Wolfgang Press and Rima Rima to an extent or whatever the fuck, I'm blanking on some other bands. Sure, they made a lot of money for 4AD, mm-hmm. but they sure as fuck didn't make modern English money for them. Mm-hmm. They sure as fuck didn't make Cocktail Twins money for them, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like they were able to keep those bands on because of the way they operated. They were able to keep yeah, those bands yeah. with, you were able to keep Cocktail Twins from going. I mean, they eventually went to a bigger label for, uh, I think it was Heaven in Las Vegas or whatever, but it's, yeah, it's, it's one of those things like it built, it drove me to build a website because at first time I'm like, who has a website anymore? That is the broad tendency of the internet right now, I think, is a move towards people who, like, people who have the pulse moving towards decentralization again. 100%. So like, I, I build, mean, we're, we don't want to be dependent on YouTube for that. Right. Know, so I went like, to Squarespace to build a website because yeah. I'm like, this will be the easiest way to do it. I had my friend help me. We built a decent, pretty fucking decent looking website. Yeah. It's colloquialsoundrecordings.com. And there's a web store function that's yeah. built into it. They take a flat... Um, like eight percent per transaction, and that includes the payment processing fees. That's pretty good. What's the store web store service? Uh, is it Shopify? Dude, I think I, I think um Deathwish uses that too. I just bought yeah. that. I bought that Planes Mistaken for yeah. Cars shirt, and uh, and they use that. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Because it was like, you know, oh, here's some other app trying yeah. to tell me what, you know, I have to make an account for this No, other you app. don't have to do that with my yeah. stores. You can just, yeah, I think it's just yeah. the process. They're, they want to do that because they I think I might have had the option not to, to be fair. Yeah, I they think want I to like lock like, you into like, here's your tracking delivered to your phone and here's this and that. And yeah, 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 but like, but so it's a good service. Better it's a great than service. Bandcamp. It's, it's yeah. awesome. I don't want to say it's better than Bandcamp because Bandcamp allows the D- social does different kinds of things. Yeah. Bandcamp has a social aspect of it to where it's like, you can follow this band. But in terms of the money. Better. Yeah, in terms of the money, yeah, it's it's nicer to just get that little chunk taken um, care of. Like so, okay, so here's the other old guy angle. Um, how does CSR or I mean, not sorry, yeah. Um, how does the Bandcamp phenomenon relate to record stores? So, for instance, like, um, you know, there's a it's punishing exactly right because the local record store here, I know they generally don't sell a lot of the stuff I wanted. But I also know that the guy who runs it is chill. And if I went there, he could special order various things. And that, you know, sure. maybe I could get an Inquisition record there. And that'd be, yeah. you know, who doesn't like an Inquisition record, right? Sure. Um, but, like, given that on the one hand, you've got DIY hard copy and you order tapes from people in yeah, Siberia. It's all about and on the other hand, on the other hand, you've got Bandcamp. Yeah. I never go in. It's, it's all about distribution. Yeah. like, And that's the, only, that's the only dinosaur model that's still left is that, like, you have to distro the thing to get it into the hands of like the record stores. My record store is a little bit different in that all of us that work there, we're not afraid to reach out to labels individually. Oh yeah. That's Brandon who works at the store. He plays drums in that band cloud rat. Oh, that's, Um, that's an important band. Yeah. Maybe for you. No, no, not for me. I've never, I've never, I've never, I've I've never, I barely know how Cloud Rat, I have a hypothesis about how Cloud Rat sounds, but I don't think I've ever heard. There was a very funny video where these two like, like Jack metalhead dudes were Mm -hmm. talking about Cloud Rat and about like, it sucks. I don't know anything about it. They just feel like they don't eat meat and they don't fuck good. And like you go to their house and they got like Bjork records. And I was like, I can't attest to that how that dude fucks, but he doesn't eat meat, and Bjork is his favorite artist, so it was very funny. <laughs> um, 
Don't know how he fucks though. I'm sure it's probably pretty strong though. But <laughs> like, like Brandon loves like dungeon synth, so he's like not afraid to reach out to yeah. every dungeon synth label and be like, "Yo, we want to buy your shit for our store." But that's rare that that stores do that. That they reach out to the so they need to go to a centralized distribution. Be that like for us, like primarily, it's like Hell's Headbangers is a great resource, and they sell wholesale to stores. So and they carry like virtually everything. They also. do, yeah, yeah. And it's weird because for years and years and years, I resisted distribution because I was making so much money selling stuff direct to customers. Yeah, I see, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. like now, it's like it's funny because I reached out to one place for distribution. I won't say who, and I had a relationship with them through the store or whatever. This was like a bigger spot. It's not Hell's Headbangers. So I, distributing I, your like, shit. Distributing yeah, the yeah, CSR yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's not, not Hell's Headbangers. I'd like to reach out to them at some point. But Because um, they probably take it on. They take on everything. They don't give a fuck. Yeah. Also, if you're a metalhead listening to this show, check out A Pregnant Light. You'll probably, even if you think you don't like things like it, you might like it a lot. Yeah. Thanks. Also, if you're at this point in the interview, you probably do like it. So, yeah. You know, or you're like fascinated by what an ass Or you're just, you're just bored at work, right? But, you know, mm-hmm. so it is. Um, yeah. Uh, but so... Um, so like, uh, so yeah. How I reached out to this, distro, out this yeah. distro thing, and they were just like, I kind of gave them some numbers and gave them whatever, and they were just like, "We should think it's gonna be profitable, and it's just like for us to carry." It. And I get it; it's also a very hard time. Mm-hmm. COVID has fucked up a bunch of shit. Like I get it. Like, um, but that was shocking because everyone was like, "Dude, you should just go there. That'll be perfect for you. Perfect fit." And I have a relationship with these people, mm-hmm. and they were like, "Nah," and I was like. That was like a real like come to Jesus moment for me where I was just like, oh, uh, like I don't and like look at all the press I have and all the feelings and they were just like, nah, it's just not worth it. Whoa. But I was just like, oh, and then all of a sudden I was just like, so I'm going to go downstairs and I'm going to put on the song Failure by Swans. Aww. And you know, it's like the goddamn slave ship. I was like, ah, this is me. <laughs> but, but then at the same time, I'm just like, I'm that like keep going, keep punching guy and like. Yeah. Like, I'm, am I concerned about ten, two years? This year's the 10 year anniversary of CSR. Yeah. I put out a sick hoodie that had the 10 year thing uh-huh. on it. Uh, I don't give a shit about anything else. I'm concerned about, I'm concerned about the next 10 years. Yeah. I'm concerned about what APL is doing next. You know what I listen to all the time is the unreleased APL that I'm working on. You know, I l- listened to Broken Play, but like when Broken Play came out, I jammed that fucker forever until I wrote new shit, you know? And then I listen to that. So it's like, I've been jamming, like... So you enjoy listening to your own stuff? 100%. Yeah, yeah like, uh, Tim, my my better half, mm-hmm. that sounds bad again, but um, it doesn't actually, it's fine. Yeah, it's like, fine. My hetero, it's fine. My hetero life mate, Tim, who yeah. plays an Axumite, he's played session bass on all the APL records to date, because he's a better bass player than I am. Uh, he, he was like, he said one time, people that don't, listen to their own music should start a band they like better. I think that's probably... I, I, I understand. It's To me, it's different than like watching a movie you're in. I understand. It's gotta be, I think I saw like a Brad Pitt thing one time where he was yeah. like, I've never seen a movie I was in. He was, yeah. I just don't want to see myself 20 feet on screen. And it's, yeah, he's already been there to some degree. Yeah, yeah. it's because music is different because you can experience it walking your dog. You can experience it in bed with your headphones on. You can experience well, it driving down the highway. It's, it's all... You can experience music many different ways. Also, the way music works with fewer, way, way, way fewer hands in the pot. I don't know that Brad Pitt can watch his own movie and be like, uh, 
okay, cool. So next time some idiot casts me to play Achilles in Troy, I'll do this. Right. Right. Whereas when you listen to your own music, you're learning. Yeah, for I, sure. I definitely don't like listen to it to jam out to it. But there are things I'm proud of that when I put on, I'm like, I enjoy this in a way I enjoy the things that I really like. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like if you're not liking your own music, I'm not saying yeah. I like listen to it exclusively. Yeah. No, of course not. I yeah. listen to a lot of uh, listen to a lot of my music, especially as I've gotten better, like writing mm-hmm. and recording yeah. to like. Uh, get better at that. It's mm-hmm. like it to me. It's like Monday morning football, quarterback shit. Yeah, that's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what? Okay, what? Like I'll record a track and then I'll listen to it obsessively for a week because you want to dissect, dissect the tape, mm-hmm. find out what's wrong, what do we need to change, what hits, what doesn't hit, what bores me after five lessons, yeah. what keeps me excited after five lessons. And are doing? Are you doing that repeat? Or ten lessons or twenty? Are lessons. you doing that repeat listening while like? Will you then go back and change the song, or is 100%. it like that song's done? No, hundred percent. I'll okay. go back and change it until right. it's done. Until until the fucker is released, it's up in the air. Right. Then also, once it's done, it's done. Like it does not belong to me anymore. I would like to still get paid for it, if yeah. possible. But I'm not one of those people that's like precious about those things. Like, um, so if you have it in like all of the things that you said in your like amazing review, oh. which like I I will go so far as to say that your review has made my year so far. Like true, like like truly, like. It's the best thing that's happened to me this year. Um, yeah, it's just to have somebody, somebody get it, and like, we don't. And the fact that like, you and I can sit here and talk and not have to like be like, can you explain this line in Baby Chain? And it's like, <laughs> uh, no, because because it doesn't belong to me anymore. It belongs to you. Like you, you are that record now. Like you are. And you, you talked in that review, like, hey, you have to be careful about not placing yourself in there. And I was yeah. just like, fuck that. It's you, dog. Like, I love Yates. I love Yates so much. And the fact that you ended that thing with the Yates thing, I was like, you could have knocked me over with a feather, man. Like, and I had not heard that quote before either. Yeah. And so, like, is, 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 who is Damien Master? Like, is Damien Master, is he a fake? Is he, a, is it a character? Is he, like, this outlaw? I love that outlaw thing. I never thought of myself like that, but um, it's right. I certainly don't give a fuck about the law, and there's a bunch of people in my life that can attest to that, or feelings or whatever, yeah. you know. And yeah. it's like, yeah, how do I simultaneously have all the feels and none of the feels at the same time? Mm-hmm. You know, that's um, very Yates, in. right? I think so. so. So you know, intensely, intensely impassioned, someone who's like took things very personally, suffered deeply. You can yeah. even see he basically admits to being neurotic in a variety of ways. In that, actually, yeah. in that same thing I uh, was quoting from, he talks about it, you know, um, uh, and, you know, uh, feel, feels powerfully in a lot of ways and, you know, at the same time has this distance yeah. from everything. And especially when he's in, he's just like, when I, the, the whole mask thing is sort of like, when I am in poet mode, I am you know, distant. Yeah. You know, like, there's I, a certain, there are certain modes, not just your art or whatever, but there's certain modes of life, certain stances that are different. Yeah. And I feel like when I'm, when I make the music, I feel like, like there's that Kanye thing where he put out a song called I am a God. And famously <laughs> in an interview, people go, who's he think he is? And he's like, I just told you a God, <laughs> you know? And it's like, that's me dog. Like, oh God. Like I, when I'm making my music, when I put it out, like that's it. Like it's it's the most empowering, powerful. Like there's nothing fake. There's nothing phony about it. There's nothing whatever, and it, it exists in that moment. But like, when I choose to put it out on Bandcamp, Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, YouTube, 
Mm-hmm. Napster, Deezer. Um, I get the spreadsheets. Scribble. Scrabbler. Yeah, is that uh, a thing? No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I signed a deal with Plastic Head, which is like the biggest distribution oh, company in the world. Yeah, they do Emperor. Yeah, yeah they do lots of cool bands. Yeah. They, they distribute me digitally. So they sent me a contract a few years ago to handle my digital distribution. Now, have they knocked on my door like, we would like to press your records and put out your records and yeah, distribute yeah. them? They're like, hell no. But we'll do it digitally. So basically, I submit all the um, stuff to Plastic Head, and Plastic Head puts it on every single streaming site, and then I get the numbers. Mm-hmm. Dog, there are streaming sites I've never even heard of that are like popular in like Croatia or oh, Brazil that or makes Argentina. Sense. That makes sense. Or whatever. Yeah. Like, okay, for example. Proud to say Terminus gets hits from VK. Which is yeah, the, the us Russian too. social yeah, media. Us thing. Too. Yeah, 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 me too. Yeah. Like, I did an interview for VK, mm-hmm. and uh, I recorded that Sisters of Mercy cover. I did Mother Russia just because I have a lot of Russian fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, I oh yeah, there's that fate. Is that that Russian sort of social media group? Yeah, 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 that's yeah, what yeah, it is. yeah. And then, um, in fact, I get like Apple Music and mm-hmm. Spotify sends me updates every week. My number one region in the world is Russia. Yeah, that is. What's up to all the hot Russian bitches listening? Pull up. You said you um you've uh you've toured Russia. I have not. Uh, Would like to. Hmm. Oh yeah, because wait, of course you haven't toured it because no. you haven't toured. No, not Never with mind. APL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other things, yes, but not with APL. But um, yeah. all right, brain fart, dude. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, it, um, dude, I mean, Russia would be. Lit- I mean, it sounds like a joke. I was I keep joking about the oncoming APL co- Russian collusion tour. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, I fully intend to collude with Russia in every way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, how do I make a KGB X APL shirts or whatever? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. No, but I mean, honestly, like Damian you know, Master, the uh, the spy who loved me. Yeah, there you go, yeah. there you go. I love that, dude. Yeah. I love that. I'm gonna steal that at some point. You should. But so, um, yeah, like uh, it for, do that from a business standpoint. Like when people talk about touring, I was like, we should do Moscow and St. Petersburg. Why do you think people from Russia are into it? Probably because it's super American. I think my music is hyper American. It is hyper American. Yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, I think that turns off a lot of people too because I think a lot of uh, fucking. I guess. Are we allowed to use this word? I don't care, but like posers, a lot. Of oh, dude, we, yeah. Stuff. I mean, I mean, you say it all the time. Yeah, <laughs> you say it all the time on the show, and you berate bands and stuff like that. And uh, I do it privately. We, hey, we're on the show. We are gentle. You are, yeah, you are. No, like, I know. It's like, a, know. The, the, the show is us on our best behavior. We had a guy on our Discord, you know, yeah. People think we're, or like, people, bands, people who listen think we're, like, harsh with criticism, and it's like, my God. Right, like, no, no, You no, know, no. like, yeah. Even hearing, like, when you were critiquing that Dress and Streams record that I put out, I was just like, even though I'm not, I'm going to tangentially involved with that. Yeah. It's even, it just, it felt like somebody, which you liked the record, for heaven's sake. Yeah. You liked the record, and yeah. you were just like, anything, you're, I was just like, felt like someone was talking bad about your kid or something like that. You know what I mean? Oh, like, I feel oh. that. But it was like, but I loved it. And that is what, and you had a bunch of shitty things to say about me. And that is the impetus of me reaching out to you. Because I wanted people to know, I'll pull up on your ass anywhere. And we got to be friends. Yeah, you did. I mean, that's funny. We, uh, yeah, we were friends probably instantly. Yeah. I will also say, I think... I think when we reviewed that, you were an unknown quantity to us. I sure. would say I think the death metal guy was more skeptical, in part just because he's he hadn't he didn't know your work at all, yeah. right? And he's just like 
I, I have one foot in your world of hardcore yeah. guy likes the Smiths and shit, you yeah. know. Um, and the death metal guy. also likes Niflheim. Exactly. You know, and a lot. Oh, you're one of the people who listens to Niflheim. Absolutely. Yeah. No, see, this is, you really like this sort of thrashing stuff that's just, com- nobody ever associates with your music. Yeah. I have we a, were talking about Ares I have a Niflheim Envoy of Lucifer tattoo oh, yeah. here. Oh, yeah. I wish I could. It, I love the record, but it's mostly just because of the image. It's the Reaper, you know. It's got that. That one's got a lot of shreddy melody on it, right? It does, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I, I remember back in the day. It's got I, a Turbo Negro. There's like Turbo Negro parts on it. There's like rocking, like, and there's a straight up Turbo Negro part. On dude, it. you fuck with uh, helicopters? Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. Nika Anderson's thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Helica Contra Opinion helicopters over entombed. Um, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um. That's yeah. So might, listeners, I, I helicopters actually, was the band of the. Uh, I might I might co-sign that. Entombed yeah. rips, but I think helicopters rip. Yeah, it's the drummer from Entombed who was actually writing a lot of the riffs in Entombed, right? He was Entombed. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I also like his other death metal band better. I like Death Breath better. Yeah, that's also not a controversial opinion amongst metalheads. I think Death yeah. Breath is supremely beloved. Death Breath was like, I think in part, Death Metal Guy has convinced me I don't like Swedish Death Metal that much yeah. and that there are good things to be said against it. Here's a, here's a funny Nika Anderson. But, but that shit was formative for me when I was getting metal, like yeah, proper metal. Absolutely. And it spoke be. directly to the punk stuff. And I, I checked it. I've been listening to a lot of helicopters because I've been in a decent mood. And <laughs> I went back and checked Death Breath recently and I'm like, this fucking kills. Yeah. This was before the whole Sweet Death, Revi- Sweet Death Revival and it was better. Totally. You know, that and... Um, Scott Carlson plays on it, right? Yeah. Oh, wait, who's Scott Carlson? Repulsion guy. Oh, whoa. That's That makes that, sense. That guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Death Metal guy is Repulsion guy. better than me. Yeah, for sure. Um, But yeah, like, uh, last year for the score, I had to do, like, my top five records. Mm-hmm. And I had that Sweven record, The Eternal Resonance. I don't know who Sweven is. They're awesome. Yeah. Uh, everything, because I'm mostly like a, I'm a metal guy, but I'm also like a punk and hardcore guy. Mm. But like, the punk and hardcore I listen to is super like, noisy and fast and like all in that discharging and vain. But like, even like new bands, like that's, now we are living in the new golden age of that You of sort of were involved with the kind of mysterious guy wing of the scene, For right? sure, and Like yeah. the, the sort of Klaxon Records or... Yeah. Uh, or what, what was the other big label? So it's Youth Attack. Were yeah. you into Youth Attack stuff? Yeah, I was yeah, Youth yeah, yeah, Attack sure. stuff. Yeah. I was, there's a mild association there. We won't bore our listeners with All right. But um, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. Um, led a band with a couple of those guys. But um, <clears throat> like the, uh, what the fuck was I talking about? Oh, the. Oh, for the Top the Sweven, Sweven. Sweven. Yeah, yeah, Sweven, yeah, yeah. that internal resonance record. Nothing about that record. First of all, it's death metal. Don't like death metal. Mm-hmm. Second of all, it's progressive. Don't like progressive music. Third of all, it's Swedish. Unless it's punk, not really with Swedish shit. Mm-hmm. Unless, or Bathory. Mm-hmm. Bathory well, is pretty, pretty punk. Pretty much a punk yeah. band. Um, so I was like, my buddy was like, dude, I don't know why, but like, I think you might dig this record. And I was just like, okay, he's like, it sounds like nothing you would like. And I was like, nah, this ain't it, dog. And then like, the second track came in, and I was like, maybe this is it. And I love that record. It's a cool record you guys should check out. Uh, I think Vaughn put it out. Okay. And, like, Earth House is on Vaughn. We do like Vaughn. And yeah. uh, I was super into it. And I was like, these kids are out of fucking control. Like, 
this dude. Oh, it was the dude you're in Morbus Cron. They were in that band. Okay, no, I have heard of this record and I have thought, I have thought, is this the sort of weird death metal I would like? And then I never clicked on it. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah, yeah. it's awesome. And then my buddy ruined it for me by saying that the main guy in the band is Nika Anderson's nephew. I was like, oh, fuck. Talent flows from his blood. This isn't fair. He ruined it for me. I'm like, well, of course it's good. Yeah. Because Nika Anderson can just do whatever he wants to do. He just sits down on an instrument and writes a hit song. I'm just like, fuck, that's Swevenick. I'm mean, of course it's good. <laughs> Your uncle is a genius. Yeah. Fuck. So, um, but yeah, so, um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, I don't know how long we've been going. Yeah, we, we've been going. So we're either gonna we're either gonna wrap it up or I'm gonna take a piss. Um it's about nine. We've got we've got some time before the bars close, but yeah. not that long before we can get food. Kitchen closes early. Sure. So, uh, yeah, we can get out. I feel like we've, uh, I feel like honestly, like if people don't listen to my section of the interview, that's fine. Like, bro, I'm going to be pushing people to, to hear what you had to say. I honestly, it's just an excuse for us to, to hang out. And I, like I said, we didn't really talk much about broken play because I honestly feel like you covered broken play in a way that, like, yeah, I'm still kind of floored by it. Still knocking over with a feather, but. Um, I mean, it's an important record. Um, it's the second APL record. It was, you know, we don't need to talk about fucking who cares about the recording and shit like that, you know? Yeah, it fair enough. Whatever. It was a blur, a weird time in my life. Like, but it's, um, I was going to say this, like, I don't, I've, I don't know if I've ever said it like publicly, but like, um, one thing was like after APL was kind of like, blew up in 2014 when the full length came out. Everyone was like hot on it, hot on it. Because it was different. It was cool. Mm -hmm. And then there was like this new crop of bands that showed up that were like super like, no, this is how black metal is. And all of a sudden like, I'm being told what black metal is by a 20 year old. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Who like five years ago, which I get it. We're all kids. We all still come from somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I get it. Totally. But like, yeah, I'm being told by, like, a 20-year-old that I'm not true. I'm being told by, like, a 20-year-old that, like, who doesn't who, who doesn't even know who Volcano is, dog? Mm-hmm. Who's never listened to Sex Trash? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. They write raps. <laughs> you know, it's oh, like, you were, yeah, that makes sense. You'd like that one. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, and it's like being told what real black real whatever first of all i never purported to be that shit and, and then i also got tagged with the term girlfriend metal do you know that term that was a fucking that was a while ago that, that was, was a thing probably you know the funny thing is probably that the same people who invented that term yeah certainly couldn't get away with it now and also would right. frantically disavow it 100 percent. like yeah. like they're exactly and it was a funny term we all know what it means it was the same as like kylisa shirt guy was another good name oh is that a thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Kylisa shirt guy? made by the same people right okay um, you sure. know same social sector I, I, of i like kylisa it, well i was gonna say yeah i fuck i fuck with that first kylisa record hard and yeah, the, the, yeah. there are a couple up to after, static tensions yeah. i'm not familiar with much after static yeah. tensions but up to and including static yeah. tensions right. oh no this spring i was like let me go check out kailasa again i just was like hell yeah <laughs> yeah true story one of my bands opened for kailasa and it was the worst show i've ever played <laughs> i won't say what bands but we opened for kailasa and when i think about like the worst show just in regards to no band members playing the same song at the same time 
a complete disaster train wreck, and everyone from Kailessa was 18 inches from me because they were just on the side of the stage watching the whole time. So the worst worst show I've ever played in my life was opening for Kailessa. Well, that's um, but yeah, you have girlfriend medal. But, yeah, um, yeah, we had you got you got you got damned as girlfriend. Medal. I think that's funny. I never thought of that. That now that shit would never fly. And it's like literally the, the same people who will tell everyone else how bad and sexist that was are the people who came up with it. Yeah, and you know that I can't speak on, but I don't know the right li- I don't know the literal sure sounds person. right to me. But like, yeah. obviously, there were bands that popped off a trillion times bigger than me, like Liturgy, um, Death Heaven, who I did not I did not hear any Death Heaven until. Uh, which is funny because we're on Death Wish, but I just was not interested in that sort of music from Death Wish. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was an element, too, of me being like, may- maybe a little jealousy, where I was like, oh, they get to be on Death Wish? Like, I don't want to listen to them. Uh, but they were not in my scene. They were not a part of my thing. And it's like, uh, I've, I've never heard Sunbather. Um, but then we put on New Bermuda in the store, and I was like, this is fucking heavy. Like, I, yeah, was it? It was super aggressive. And... Did, did they? Everyone they were like, really yeah. a deathcore band, or basically a bunch of them were in a deathcore band. Before I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and talk about another man's band like that. Yeah, like, you know. But we were lumped into that scene or whatever. And and what was funny about that was that I, their second record was hyper aggressive. And I'm not sure when it came out. If it came out before Broken Play, after Broken Play, they have nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. I have nothing to do with them. However, I'm going to be honest in regards to what was in my head. What was in my head was this: like everyone's like, it's this pretty boy. Uh, I got hit with faggy a lot. Mm. Um, this faggy black metal, fake black metal, poser shit, girlfriend metal. Like it's it's metal my girlfriend likes, and it it got in my head where where my second record broken play. I wanted to write in a. There's no singing on that record. Mostly my other shit is singing in it. That, um, yeah. And I wanted to write. It was also a very dark time in my. Very dark time, the darkest. Um, and I just channeled all that into like heavy, unbridled aggression, you know. And now I feel like the new stuff is a mix of that. Like, like I licked it now, it's mine. It's like that heaviness and that aggression, but it's got some melodies to it and it's got some whatever. But I wonder again, it's it's a whack to sit here and speculate on another grown, grown ass set of men what they're doing. But like, I, I, the only the first time I heard Death Heaven was that second record, and I was like, oh. Someone must have told them they were girlfriend metal too, because this is just a heavy record. Yeah, I didn't love it, didn't care for it, but I didn't also give it a fair shake. It was in the store, not not a great time to listen to them. I mean, I was the same. Um, I heard I heard a metalcore breakdown, and I was like, okay, well, I'm glad they're embracing it, but it, it, it sounded kind of like gent. And then, uh, yeah, uh, it's very yeah. funny. You call I I call people degents sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this degent over here, dude. That is a total type of person, man. Yeah, to call dude, someone a degent. You can recognize a man who likes gent. It's not easy, but I can pick them out. Yeah. I can smell them out. Fucking degent. Yeah. Uh, and then it's very funny because occasionally someone will try to correct you and go, "It's actually." I'm like, and that's why you're a degent. <laughs> so yeah, the the broken play was a super heavy record because I had, I did have the the people in my head telling me that I wasn't heavy, and when you're and when you're a part of something, when you're a part of a scene, you want to be accepted by that scene, mm-hmm. obviously. So it's like I wanted to be heavy and put out a heavy record. So in that sense, I did have people in my ear. I wasn't crowdsourcing self esteem, as Kanye would say. I wasn't or crowdsourcing riffs or ideas or anything. I just recorded the record and put it out, you know? And uh, thankfully, people dug it, and there was a long time between 2014 and 2019. And I promised people there wasn't going to be that long of a gap between the third, or the second and the third mm-hmm. record. Um, 
and there won't be. We're working on it right now. So, but yeah, I mean, Broken Play was a. Um, I think it'll it'll. I think that record has a cool space in the discography. It's a heavy record. It's a dark record. Um, I think the next record um, will also be heavy. Will also be dark, but it will be. It'll just be. You know, it's you got to kind of come out of the woods at some point. You know, and I think my game doesn't have a name from fourteen was like such a triumphant, badass, cool like rock record that like. <laughs> a lot of girls liked you know <laughs> honestly you know yeah and dudes too but i mean yeah. like it was one of those things where girls were like well this is like it's also fine to have girls it's very good to have women like right yeah, yeah exactly yeah. i'm like why am i being punished for this you know yeah yeah it's like why am i being you know it's like, i'm being punished for this um and it's like i i want to appeal to female listeners so, like, so you're going to try to blend those sides yeah i mean i'm not I mean, going I, I mean the new the new thing right uh i liked it now it's mine is yeah. uh musically similar to broken play it's heavy. very, it's, it's very heavy, thrashy yeah, yeah it's heavy um yeah. some great metal riffing on it um lyrically and mood wise completely different like that record i highly recommend to listeners i uh, listened to it on like five times the first time i got it completely captures the deranged horny mood of this summer <laughs> as everyone sort you know is like going out and uh, you know fully vaccinated, ready to fuck. Yeah, in, in, you know, I see another meme like that. I'm like, yeah, in our neck of the woods, it's super fucking uh, you know muggy and hot, and you can just tell the instincts are driving everyone nuts. Yeah. And like it's it's got so it's got it's like musically similar, but it's coming from and it's got some darkness to it, but it's coming from a way more exuberant place. Yeah, which is cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's and that's the vibe too. Is that it's like I want to be proud i want to be a proud boy there you go how to take that out of print take that out of context like no no, i was joking i do not want to be a proud boy uh but i want to be uh, yeah yeah a very square a very like that's that's really like i want to be as square as possible yeah Yeah. obviously we're joking here um yeah but i want to be proud i want to be strong and i want to be confident and i am those things and it's like the the yates thing says like you wear the mask long enough and you become that
You go, it's the place I give you 